Welcome to Game Face, episode 209 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. This is our flagship show. It's our big podcast. We do every Tuesday live on Twitch at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, if you're listening to this show on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, we would really appreciate it if you could kick us a couple bucks a month at our Patreon at patreon.com slash sifted. Uh, I don't know if you guys have looked ahead or not, but... Man, May is looking rough. <laughs> but uh, the good news is we're still in there's April. There's not a lot of games coming out either. Yeah. We do have some good news to kick off the show. Matt got a brand new mic. In fact, his mic just showed up 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, it was a mad scramble for him to get it set up, but he has a new mic and he sounds great. And a wired connection now. So that's, that's right. <clears throat> yeah. So we're slowly inching towards... I don't towards. sound great, but... <laughs> Well, we're slowly inching towards getting our production values back up to scratch. We got Mitch Sikorsky in the studio. How you doing, Mitch? You had a rough week, huh? Yeah, my uh, bike got stolen two days ago. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's been a really interesting uh, time here. But, you know, you know, I, I'm, I'm already <laughs> over it. You know, there's more <laughs> pressing so, issues at the moment, and this is not one of them for me. Yeah, Mitch was working uh, Sunday night on Sifted HQ, and when he went to leave, he went out, and someone had stolen his bike out of our building's garage. They lived, locked... did leave the front wheel. The front wheel Well, because there. it was locked. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the bike rack is goofy. It's hard to lock to your frame, so Mitch was just locking his front tire and somebody got in there somehow and just unhooked the front tire and took his bike away. So, mm. freaking sucks, man. I feel really feel for you, Mitch. <laughs> it's, it's been crazy since you got to L.A. It's just been one insane thing happening after another. Uh, but anyway, um, despite the fact that May is looking really, really dry, we do have a great show for you guys today. We're going to talk about Gears Tactics, uh, which I've been playing uh, a good bit over the last couple days. Um, and we got a bunch of other big stories, some big PS5 exclusives have been leaked, and a bunch of crazy stuff is going on in the industry right now, and we're here to bring it to you guys on Twitch. So let's kick off the show. We're going to talk first about one of those leaks that I just mentioned, and it is a really, really bad one. Uh, this week, The Last of Us Part Two was basically leaked in its entirety. Um, the entire plot synopsis was leaked. A new video was leaked that showed pivotal cinematic moments in the game, and I mean pivotal, uh, and a bunch of other details about it. Now, we curated a story on Sifted about the actual leak, but we were very careful with the story that we curated to make sure that it did not actually include any of the information. But if you want to find that stuff, it's very, very easy to find. Um, initial reports are that the information was leaked by a former disgruntled Naughty Dog employee. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, that has not been 100% confirmed yet, but that is kind uh, of the a, word. On there's the a contractor, as I understand it. A private contractor, like an independent yeah. contractor? Yeah. And the story was that uh, the contractor was unhappy that Naughty Dog was not paying him properly for the hours that he worked. Again, this is not 100% confirmed that it was from a, a contractor or a Naughty Dog employee. That's just what the word on the street is. Matt? It would, it would also make a lot of sense considering the quality of the leak. 
Well, yeah, the quality of the league for sure. Uh, and we'll get to some of the other elements that may have led up to this. But first, Matt, what was your initial reaction when you saw this? Um, well, I actually, my initial reaction was to text a bunch of people and say, yeah. look out. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's stuff out there. Don't yeah, look. besides that. <laughs> um, I mean, it sucks. Uh, like, I understand being upset about, you know, unfair employment practices, but like, throwing the entire, you know, hundreds of devs under the bus who worked on this game and like ruining that for everybody is uh, probably not the best way to go about it. Yeah. And so what Matt is hinting at is that Jason Schreier, who's now at Bloomberg, uh, he did work at Kotaku before that, had published quite a while ago, he published a scathing article on Naughty Dog saying that their work mm -hmm. culture was awful and that their crunch was terrible and they their employee retention was really bad. And then... Um, he followed up and found that Naughty Dog had not made many changes to his work culture. If you remember, we talked about it a few weeks ago, how people were at the office late and something fell from the ceiling and almost killed them. Um, and Pactor Factor this week, perfect timing. The episode about Naughty Dog just went up uh, a couple days ago and then this news hits. So um, I think it's, it's tough for me. You're right. Um, it's really low what this person did because it didn't, it's kind of like the people who are po protesting and refusing to wear masks. <laughs> They're like, you know what? I don't want to wear a mask. So screw everybody else. Um, and they don't really care about how it's affecting other people. Uh, the same deal with this, with naughty dog. Uh, mm. Look, the guy. And similar to those people who are catching the uh, virus. Uh, I guess you don't have to worry about being paid poorly because no one's going to hire you now. Yeah, exactly. And so it's kind of the same deal here with Naughty Dog and that you had a person that felt that they they were unhappy with how they were being treated. And instead of dealing with it in a man-to-man, person-to-person way, they decided to bring the whole ship down with them. Um, and to me, that's disgraceful. Not everyone who works at Naughty Dog hates this contractor or was putting the screws to this contractor. Most of the I'm people sure there, most of them agree with him. I'm sure they do. Yep. And most of those people are just like him. They worked their butts off on this game. They're dealing with the same work culture as everybody else there. Uh, they're not leaking stuff out to the internet. Um, so I think we can agree that this was the wrong way to handle something like this. Yeah. And look, I'm not a, I'm not trying to defend Naughty Dog because the reports that have come out about that studio have been far from flattering. And based on the, the fact if they're true or not, and if they are true, I, I'm really disappointed in Naughty Dog. And I was really disappointed to hear in the follow-up that it had not made a lot of changes to its culture. But uh, I got to draw the line somewhere. And when you're affecting hundreds of people, and in this case, probably more than 100, there may be like almost 1,000 people who have touched this game at some point. Like once you expand out to the Sony support system, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And all the QA people and everything that goes into making a video game to screw all those people. Because you got to remember, this isn't just a personal vendetta thing. Uh, this is This affects the game financially or could affect the game financially. So it could affect... Uh, people's bonuses that in a lot of cases at these studios, they give you a whatever salary and then they dangle the, the, the bonuses as the carrot to get you to sign on. So a lot of these developers, they need these bonuses to make it worth their while. And a guy like this to just come in and screw over the rank and file the way he did, it's just, it's deplorable. It's disgusting. So uh, I feel for the people at Naughty Dog in some ways because, yeah, 
somebody really screwed them. But at the same time, they have to like take stock of their business at this point and be like, what, what made this person so angry that they would do something like this? And look, it may be this person may have personality issues or whatever, but it took a spark to light that fire. And in my opinion, based upon what's been reported and not been refuted, I would add, uh, Naughty Dog is culpable in this, at least a little bit. Thus, the lower third that we're using for this topic. Um, what is the lower third? Because I can't see it. It says karma mm. with, a quest- with a question mark. Um, so to me, Naughty Dog isn't completely innocent in this. And to be fair, I haven't really seen Naughty Dog out on Twitter saying anything kind of derogatory about it. They're probably trying to sweep it under the rug. But I mean, there's, you know, Neil said some stuff about it's a shame and I'm, I'm sorry and I, I can't believe somebody did that and kind of it sucks that it's ruined. And like Naughty Dog, I think the official account, the official maybe Last of Us 2 account put up something. It's just like, hey, you know, just try to be respectful and don't spoil it for people if they don't want to be, you know, that kind of thing. What yeah, but they, they didn't do? go after the leaker, is what I'm saying. And say this not guy, publicly, no. Ass. Oh, yeah, not publicly. And privately, the lawyers are going to go after this person yes. if they can figure out who it is. But I mean, not, I'm sure like, there's only a certain number of people who had access to the, that video. They'll, be able, so, they'll probably be able to figure it out. Yeah, they'll eventually. be able to figure it out. Yep, and he's going to be in deep crap, or she, when that day comes. But here's the thing. He didn't just screw all the employees at Naughty Dog. He also screwed us. Um, I don't know if you ended up accidentally seeing some of the stuff. I did. Um, because no, I haven't seen any of it. So I did. So it's, you know, as part of my job of curating, I need to follow up and fact check stuff and make sure that we're not curating things to sifted that are incorrect or just complete hoaxes or whatever. So I had to do some due diligence on this. And unfortunately, I went to a place that had captured still images from the videos that were released and they were the most revealing still images that they could have put up. Mm-hmm. So instantly in literally a half a second, my eyes saw things that they cannot unsee. And so I wouldn't say the game is ruined for me. I would say at least three gigantic plot points are ruined for me. Um, but we tried to protect you guys. We made sure we did not curate any of that stuff to the site. So if you guys saw any of it, that's all on you. Um, I had to do it as part of my job, and I wish that I didn't do it, and I didn't have to do it, but I did. I mean, again, I'm not a spoiler-phobe. I don't really care one way or the other. I don't seek it out. I might go look at it if the controversy gets more and more because all the right people seem to hate this thing uh, now that they see what happened in the story. So now I'm kind of curious. Um, you mean I'm people hoping... hate the game now that they know what's going to happen? Yeah. I didn't know um, that. There's a, the usual suspects are very upset about it being too woke or whatever. So it sounds like they probably did it right. Uh, (laughs) We'll see how it turns out. Cause that's the thing is like, I'm hoping uh, a well-told story. uh, It doesn't matter if you know what the plot is. Yeah. I mean, I can watch movies over and over. Like I I, it's going to happen. I think the first last of us is kind of a mediocre game with a sort of by the number story that rides on a really, really strong character relationship yeah um it's not, not going to keep me from enjoying the game no sure. and the relationship between the characters is sort of the you know the moment to moment unveil uh, you know unfolding of that is sort of the hook for most modern naughty dogs so uh it certainly was for um everything neil Druckmann has directed i would say um including uncharted 4 which is why uncharted 4 doesn't work for me because i don't care about the relationship between nate and sam right um so like if as long as you're invested in that core duo in one of his games you're going to get something out of it uh i don't know how this is going to roll but like um as as 
unimpressed as I can be by some of Druckmann's like macro decisions, I am usually very hooked by his moment to moment choices in terms of narrative. So, Agreed. Uh, and this kind of a leak doesn't really impact that too much. So like there's still the curiosity, even if I knew the plot points, there's still a curiosity of, oh, how do you get to that? How does it unfold, you know, moment to moment? How does it impact things going forward in the story? Like there's still, you know, no one's gone to see a Shakespeare play in the last 500 years without knowing how it ends. So it's, yeah. it's the journey is there's something to be said for the journey. And if something doesn't entertain you because it doesn't surprise you, I still find that to be a poorly told story to begin with. So, and maybe this is that. I don't know. I, don't, I haven't seen the leaks, but um, and hopefully I'll be able to avoid them for another month. I guess I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if my curiosity gets the best of me. Um, uh, at least it certainly wasn't delayed very long. Like yeah. That's, so that's the other part of this. It was the new release date was just announced. It's Ju uh, June nineteenth. Mm -hmm. So, do you uh, think that they moved that up because of the leak? It seems that way. I mean, it went from sure delayed in, indefinitely. Oddly ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> it went from delayed indefinitely to coming out Six real weeks. soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, really, what, what was the original release date? Like the 29th? It was May, it was May 29th. It was the San yeah. So really, we, it was only like three weeks. Yeah. Even though when they announced it, it was indefinite. And everybody was like, we may not see this until the end of the year or later. So it appears as if Something related to this may have convinced them that they could bump it up or maybe they just wanted to. Uh, and to your point about Neil and Naughty Dog's games being about characters and character development and character arcs, that's the problem. So the images that I saw were related to all of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're right. Like That is why I really enjoy a lot of Naughty Dog games. And unfortunately, what I saw that day were things that had sacrificed some of that for me whenever I play the game. Um, and I'm not, I'm going to play it obviously, and I'm probably still going to love it. And I'm going to try the whole time to forget the stuff that I've seen, but it will ultimately have an impact on how I ingest that game and ultimately kind of what my opinion is of it. It's definitely um, going to color the narrative of, yeah, of the game in terms of As I play it, because I know some stuff that's coming, big stuff that's coming. So it will, maybe it'll make it enjoyable in a different way though. Um, I mean, there is something to be said for a second viewing or a second playthrough or something where you know mm -hmm. what's happening so you can kind of see how they set that up and what, you know, the, the foreshadowing and, and sometimes, you know, and thing, when, when there's a surprise in a narrative, sometimes you don't get like the point or the, the early themes of it until you say, oh, that's coming. So that's why this is happening early in the story. You kind of set that up and catch you off guard with it, but it still makes sense. Like that's a cool way to kind of see how stories are constructed, but I don't think that works tremendously well when you just have been told what happens. Because again, part of constructing a narrative theme in your head while watching or consuming something is understand is on the second viewing is understanding what happened and how it happened. So if you just know this thing happens, but you don't have any real context for it, but beyond like a screenshot and a description, you aren't necessarily going to know that some of these early, more subtle things are setting that up. So it really does sort of take it, put a damper on it. I, I would say it, it hurts it more than anything else. I would agree. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm not a spoiler-phobe person. I'm, I don't think spoilers are, are a huge deal. If someone accidentally tells me what happens in this game, I mean, at least I don't have to worry about being at a party and <laughs> anything like that. You know, that's, I'm not yeah. going to be going to E3 and having people talk about it there the week before it comes out. So, yeah. um, so that would be a, more of a problem if everything was normal. Um, but uh, I'm not going to get mad at somebody if they accidentally do that. I mean, you should know better than to talk about the plot points of a game that's not out yet, but, you know, people are dumb, so. 
Do you think it will affect the financial performance of the game at all? You said a lot of fans are bummed or disappointed. Do you think it'll keep any no. of them from buying the game? I don't think a lot of fans are bummed or disappointed. I think it's a very specific segment of a few thousand people. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I think uh, most, of the, most of the other people I know who aren't uh, part of that like just think that, oh, I hate that I learned that. I'd rather uh, have seen it live. Like me, more basically. Or less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and no, I don't think that's going to make people pass on it in any great numbers, at least not to the point that you'd notice a dent in the 10 to 15 million copies this thing's going to sell regardless. Yep. Hey, Mitch, what's your perspective on stuff like this? Leaks for big games? Uh, I will admit I was tempted to look at it. Like, yeah. there, there was I think the everybody temptation. was. I, yeah. like, when I was on the site, I scrolled down and i was definitely being like do i want to like look for a little further do it mm -hmm. and i was having the the thought in my brain of going weighing the weighing the risk and the reward of saying do i want to know what already happens and kind of view it in that viewpoint as i play this game i ended up not doing it and i think this is you know the first thing i thought your lower third is perfect karma was the first thing that popped right in my brain as soon as i saw this story break because yeah it's ridiculous to see uh, studios treat employees this way and you know though i agree with you all in the aspect of this is not good um for the, the other people that worked really hard on this but at the same time i'm like karma's a bitch like it's like i yeah. i'm like maybe this is the wake-up call they needed to say hey you know fix your workforce and i guess the final thing i would say about it in general is you know it's interesting to see what um, what sacrifices people have to do to be declared great? Because Naughty Dog is one of those studios that's declared as a great studio. Um, uh, Rockstar is a studio that's declared as amazing, and they had to change their world culture. So and they did. So Rockstar really interesting do that. in that aspect. Yeah, Rockstar yeah. did change his culture, whereas Naughty Dog hasn't. Insomniac uh, is considered great and was never like that. Yep. So. Yeah. You don't I mean, have to be a jerk to be great, I guess, is the point. But no. a lot of great people or successful people are. I hate to say it, but I mean, I, th I think most people can relate to that because they just think about their boss. <laughs> yeah. it, it helps, I think. It helps to not care who you're stepping on. on the yep. way it does. It makes it a lot easier to climb. I've never been that way. I'll never be that way. I'm the, if I don't win the right way, I don't win guy. So, and it's probably to my detriment and to sift his detriment, but I'm not going to sacrifice my morals for success. Some people are willing to do that. I'm not one of them. So it's disappointing on a lot of levels. I do hope, like Mitch said, that this is the breaking point for Naughty Dog. Um, and it does finally say, you know what? Maybe we should take this seriously. Uh, now that the game seems to be done, maybe Naughty Dog gets a little bit of a breather before it starts like diving in full mm. force on its next project. Maybe it has a little bit of time to start thinking about its work culture and the the detriment that mm. its work culture has to what ultimately now its products. Yeah, I mean the biggest the biggest problem for me that this causes is I don't get to play Ghost of Tsushima for another three weeks. Yep, so that's um, the other little tidbit of this. Ghost of Tsushima's release date was also announced for July 17th, 2020. Uh, so we get to play The Last of Us Part Two, and then four weeks later, there comes Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. It's a solid so it's summer, but it's just like, it's so weird. You know, the leak happens, you instantly, you know, if you were really planning to just delay this thing three weeks, why were all the pre-orders canceled? Why yeah, was they weren't. Off they definitely Clearly this weren't. was going to be longer. Yep, definitely. Something has happened. I, I can't say for sure if it's this leak that happened that caused it, but something happened behind the scenes to make Naughty Dog and Sony change its minds 
about mm -hmm. when the game was going to release. That's just the bottom line. Uh, maybe someday we'll figure out what it is. Uh, it probably is something to do with the leak because they're like, well, crap, it's all out there now. Like, what? we're holding this back and people are just going to get access to those leaks more and more as time goes on. Uh, maybe they're just looking at it like, you know, we've got the one bad apple in the barrel right now and we don't want to leave it in there too long because then it will start rotting all the other apples in the barrel. Uh, maybe it just said, look, this is the quickest we can get it manufactured um, and get all the last bugs squashed and get it to stores and we're just going to go for it. Yeah, I mean, I think that once they decided to delay because of the the, the virus lockdown, I, I feel like they were just like, oh, we'll just launch it when the multiplayer is done. That as could more, be. as a more complete package. Maybe. Um, and now this kind of forced their hand to move it up. Yep. So, yeah, I'm, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to affect Naughty Dog's bottom line, ultimately. I think even the people who are complaining about it being woke or whatever, I think either they were never going to buy it or they're still going to buy it. So, yeah, I mean, if, if, if the, the idea that you're surprised by that aspect after the E3 trailer is you look kind of stupid. Dude, at that point. there's lesbians kissing on screen and their yeah. big reveal, and you're surprised that the game's woke? Like, like it, it's, it's not a new thing from Naughty Dog and uh, I encourage it. So yep. bite me. Yep, exactly. <laughs> okay. It's good for me. <laughs> All right. Let's so move don't on. buy it. Yeah, exactly. The All right. Let's move million, rest of the rest of the 15 million people will enjoy it. I'm sure. Exactly. And myself included, despite the fact that I now know like all the pivotal moments from the game, which sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about, well, it's kind of a, a complicated topic. It, it's about Ubisoft because this week Ubisoft tipped its hand a little bit, which... Oh, also, Ubisoft. Oh, yeah. Which also may have tipped the hand of Microsoft and Sony. So Ubisoft went on record this week and said that it is prepared to delay all of its big budget games if the consoles are delayed and don't come out when they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. Now, when you first hear that, you're like, oh, that's common sense. You know, any publisher would say that. But why would you bother saying that? Unless you've heard some mumblings behind the scenes that it might be a possibility. Because as Ubisoft, you're preparing your fans for something when you release that statement. And your shareholders. And your shareholders um, who are like you're that kind quarter. Of, you're kind of maybe poking Sony and Microsoft a little bit by saying like, hey, if you, if you delay, because there's obviously money to be made for the versions of these games that are going to run on current systems too. Yeah, absolutely. And they're kind of saying More like, hey, if you, yeah. if you bunt on these things, we are backing off until we can you know, make the money off of it. So that imp would impact Sony and Microsoft's bottom line too. Or it could be them showing solidarity and saying like, yeah, we will hold off on this until launch so that you have something new for people to play when these systems come out that encourages them to buy those systems. That's like a good you could, point. You could see it as a threat or you could see it as like a, a, a we're with you thing. I mean, I just wonder why they would make a public statement if it was to just back Microsoft. I think so. because they're expecting something. You know, it sounds like May is going to be not a lot of like new games other than a lot of remakes and remasters, but it sounds like there's going to be a lot of um, info coming. I hope, God, I hope so. And if that's part of the info, then I can see Ubisoft wanting to get out in front of that because you're not going to be able to have an investor call until the end of June. And if you're going to put out information that a lot of your major titles are going to be pushed, you want your investors to be aware of that somehow. So that's kind of how I would, that would be my guess as to how 
why they're playing it like this. So are you insinuating that at these events in May that they're going to announce that the consoles have been pushed back? I think that's entirely possible. It is. It absolutely is. And I think also we're kind of at the point where they can figure that out now. Like yeah. the things are starting to reopen. Uh, people are seriously trying to look mm -hmm. at how to get back to normal. If there fact, ever will right be now, as we speak, California, Newsom and California, California state government is having a press conference right now laying out all the stages of reopening. Yep. Um, and so maybe with that, they're like, okay, people are starting to expect news like this. And now Microsoft and Sony probably has a better idea. It now, you know, it knows how things are going overseas at its assembly plants. It knows the parts manufacturers at this point when they're going to get back online to start supplying parts for their consoles. Um, all that stuff is starting to become clearer now, which means that both Microsoft and Sony, that picture is starting to become clearer as far as when they think they can launch. So it's very possible that at those events in May, not only do we get the release date for these things, but we also may find out that either they're not coming um, when they're when we expected them, or they're barely going to make the end of the year, or they're just going to be out before end of fiscal, which would mean the end of March. Now, to me, that would be worst case scenario, um, end of March for the consoles. Mm -hmm. um, so it's only you know four months later than kind of what we're expecting right now. Um, but I think that would disappoint and piss off a lot of people. And there are dominoes involved with that, with the publishers and the developers. It all just starts trickling down. So maybe you're right. Maybe Ubisoft is just kind of plumbing the well a little bit to get people prepared for the possibility that it might happen. Uh, and I the mean, possibility you, with these major entertainment releases, like you're just gonna, you're going to see a lot of domino effects. I mean, look at what Marvel, the Marvel movies are doing. Like they're pushing yeah. everything back a full half year because you yep. can't throw $200 million at something and not, you know, and even then I don't know if theaters going to be back on their feet by November for black widow. Like I, and I certainly don't think that theaters will be back on their feet in time for wonder woman on August 14th. Um, you're going to see stuff push further and further and further out. Um, Cause see, that's the thing about reopening is you can reopen whatever the hell you want, but you can't make people go there. Right. It's like, and, and I don't know if you've kind of done some research on this whole opening thing, but what's happening in a lot of these states is that the governors want to open up. Now, they know that no one's going to go to places, no one's going to go to sporting events, no one's going to go to malls. They know all this, but they don't care because what happens is once the states open and tell businesses that they can be open if somebody chooses to not go to work for because they're concerned about their safety, they cannot get unemployment. Right. So these states want to reopen as quickly as possible, knowing that no one's going to go back to life as normal. Nothing's really going to change from what we're dealing with right now, but they are no longer on the hook for all of that unemployment money. It is right. dirty, dirty crap going on. You'll notice right California is not doing that because California has money. Right. Yep. And so a lot of these states are poor rural states that, in all honesty, the tax money from California ends up floating the bill for a lot of those states. Yeah, so, looking at you, Mitch. Yeah, Kentucky, for example. Yeah, they, they take in like $16 billion. Yeah, not, not our Mitch. <laughs> no, no, oh, I was going to say, I'm from Minnesota. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm talking Minnesota. about the, 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 the other Mitch, the turtle. Yeah, the, the turtle. Yeah, the turtle tortoise. man. Yeah. The Bentley of the Senate. <laughs> I would not. Well, yeah, I guess when you say Bentley, at first I think of like the nicest car you can buy. No, I, I, I think of the, uh, the, the the turtle from yeah from Sly, Sly Cooper. Cooper. Yeah. Um, 
I got sucker punch on the brain now because I'm waiting for that Tsushima. Oh, that's right. Um, so how like based upon this this little nugget that Ubisoft has graced us with, how likely is it, do you think, at this point that the consoles do come out in the fall? I mean, I think it's still possible or likely like that you get a limited release in the fall. Like Sony was was hinting that like, you know, they make like 700,000 units and ship them worldwide. And like, you basically get lucky or you don't. Um, like I could see that happening just to say they did it. Um, what, you know, I wonder what the threshold for launch is to Ubisoft, you know, like would they consider that worth putting? Is that viable? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess that's a decision Ubisoft has to make on their own. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, like that's the only hint we have is kind of Sony's potential willingness to do uh, to do a limited release in November. Um, we don't, I don't think and Microsoft and Microsoft Phil Spencer's quote that you know we're not planning on the console, right. but things his language has definitely gotten more vague as time has gone on and so. more guarded for yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean it's entirely possible. I feel like we will probably find out this month. Or next month, not, not this month is still April. I don't know what day it is. Um, <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> we'll probably find out in May or June, like what's happening there, because at some point they got to put pre-orders up if they're still releasing this fall. And you would expect that to be an E3 time thing. You know, that, that's usually what, it's certainly what happened with the last systems. Uh, was you, know, you can put pre-orders up. You put pre-orders up. I think that right after the press conferences, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a mad dash for PS5, man. F5, yeah. F5, F5. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think but less so for... To pay respects, here we go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. If I had to put it at a percentage right now, I would still say probably 70% they launch this fall, 30% they come next year. I, I yeah, still I, think... I still feel like that's a pretty accurate assessment. Yeah. I, I don't... I don't Right now, it doesn't feel like everything is that topsy turvy in terms of something in terms of something you're planning to do as a launch in November. But like, you know, and it's not something that requires people to be in a in an enclosed space with a lot of people. It's not you know, it's not like a movie release. Movie, you know, I still don't know if stuff if Black Widow is making it for November fourth or fifth, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, but you don't need you know, you can order everything online, have it shipped to you for a, a new console. That should work out just fine. The real question becomes. How do you, can you get the parts done in time? Can you assemble these things and get them in, in this distribution channel properly? Uh, and is the economy going to be in enough shape for people to buy a $500 luxury item? That's um, also that really second one is a bigger question. It's a harder one to predict. Uh, yep. It becomes even more complicated when you consider there will probably be another surge in August and, and September of virus cases, um, which could be, you know, historically, the second surge of a pandemic has been worse. Um, uh, so we'll see sure how that know. goes, um, but I would certainly expect to be relocked down at some point between now and November, um, just because that's going to happen. As soon, as soon as you let people sort of slightly off the hook, they're all going to run to the beach or go like, clubbing, yeah, you know, go, go to a festival know, or something. Yeah, something you're going to yeah unofficially do something like that. I mean, one way or the other. Like I don't think you open the bars until the end of summer. But, uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see whether you like them or not. It's gonna, you know. I, I drove down past the beaches yesterday, and uh, you know, there's all signs everywhere. Beaches are closed. No parking. No nothing. It's like everyone's still out there surfing, and you know, over by Ventura, like it's still, you know, there's still people out there. Um, so this clearly is going to happen one way or the other. And as soon as you, and that was happening with everything locked down. And as soon as you get people that are like, 
you know, you get a, you know, the, the state kind of says like, okay, be careful. It's slightly, you know, gatherings and says, boom, everyone's just going to be outside. You know, yeah, yeah. Be, everyone's cooped up and ready to go out for yeah, and one of that, them. And that's I'm ready happened. to go out and meet that's see people. Like, <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, me too. But like, that's what happened with the Spanish flu. Is, yeah. Know, people thought, people, thought it was safe. people and, died in the first surge and 30 million in the second. Yeah, so, it's true. It happens that way. Now, to your point about... And that'll um, put the economy in an even worse state. Yeah. Uh, actually, to your point about the economy, um, when you it may actually work out okay for PlayStation because if you only have 700,000 units, I don't care how bad the economy is, you're probably going to be able to sell yeah, those. Worldwide, you're probably going to be able to burn through those. Yeah. I don't think it'll be that big of a deal, but you're right. Like that first 18 months, which really makes or breaks a console, it's going to be all wonky yeah. this time. Probably you got something better than, than what's that game? Godblade? God, Godfall. Godfall. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not the better. I thought. God, so. who cares? Like, I, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Like that game should be kind of up my alley as a looter slasher melee thing. Like that should be my bread and butter to some degree. But like, oh boy, I don't care about that. Game. It just looks really generic. But you actually did a really good job unintentionally segueing, or maybe intentionally segueing to the next topic, which is a game that maybe will be something better than Godfall that may or may not be there at the launch of the PlayStation 5, and that is Horizon Zero Dawn 2. We talked about this game as well a couple weeks ago because things started leaking out about it. We really got a much more full picture about it this week. Again, uh, reliable sources for these leaks. Uh, we always say take leaks with a grain of salt. Uh, this, In this case, the grain should be small because the sources are good. And sources are saying that Horizon Zero Dawn 2 started life as a PlayStation 4 game. I don't think anyone's surprised by that news, but has since been moved to be a PlayStation 5 exclusive. Um, not just that, uh, the, some other stuff that was leaked is that the game will have online cooperative play and that it will be the second game of a trilogy. So... They're saying that no matter what happens with the second game, the third game is already guaranteed. I mean, that makes uh, a lot of sense. It does, man. I mean, it's it. The second game's not gonna bomb. <laughs> I think it's safe to say, after how good the first game was, uh, the second one, I, it's hard for me to see it completely bombing. It may not be as good as the first. They may make changes that make it worse, but it's hard for me to see it one being a bad game, um, and two so bad that the game would bomb. So the the trilogy, I think, is is pretty safe and pretty set in stone. Yeah, also, if they can make four Killzone games, yeah, you can get three of these things, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I don't think anyone's arguing with there being three of these games. No. I think every, most people who have played the game are like, hallelujah, we, I'll take as much of this as I can get. Um, how do you feel about the co-op, though, Matt? They, now, they also said in these reports that the first game was supposed to have cooperative play, and they ended up having to cut it at the end uh, to get it out in, in a decent time frame. So it sounds like it's something that the gorilla has worked on already. So hopefully it learns some lessons from what it did on the first game to bring over to the second. But how do you feel about playing this with someone else? I mean, I won't probably, but like um, it makes sense. Like uh, I could definitely see that in it when she would hook up with certain characters. Like it felt like it felt like it would have been a natural progression to let another player kind of jump in as those characters because she sort of bonds with various 
you know, various major characters throughout and they all sort of can do what she does to some degree. So it, it, and a lot it, of them will come along on missions as well yeah. as if it, you know, it's just an AI controlled co-op. And certainly I think um, like the, um, I can't remember her name, but there's that one girl she meets who like is sort of like her and like loves hunting and they do some of the hunting challenges together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're um, talking about. I think she would be the co-op buddy would be my my guess. Now, one thing, too, about Horizon that I She's also in the new uh, comic book, I think. So I could be laying some groundwork for that. Yep. Uh, One thing about Horizon that people who haven't played it don't realize, and they did show it a good bit leading up to uh, its release, is that hunting and trapping is a huge part of the game. And if you watch trailers, it looks like it's just a third-person shooter with a bow with RPG elements. It's not. There's an elaborate system in the game to trap animals and creatures and becomes way more necessary as you raise the difficulty yep and i think a lot of people who haven't played it don't realize that that to me is something that could provide some really cool cooperative opportunities so i mean if you want to really expand this you've got some kind of like monster hunter with decent controls on your hands yep i mean you could use a one your partner to flush monsters out of the woods or out of the brush into the traps that you guys have set up together. Yeah. Um, You can set up traps together. Everything goes wrong. You're like, I'll distract it and run away from it. You set up some, some of the the tripwire traps over there and I'll lead it back around and we'll, yep. Like like, co-op makes a lot of sense in this game. It does for sure. Yeah. I think a lot of people hear co-op in franchises that they really love. And at first they kind of like recoil. They're like, Oh, I don't want that. I think this is a case where, it could make a great game even better with the sequel. Uh, so I'm all over it. Um, how do you feel about it not coming to PlayStation 4 any longer, Matt? I'm fine with that. Like, yeah. I mean, I this mean, is the rub with PS4 and PS5. Yeah. I mean, if you want to you know, move, at, move on with... I mean, I don't expect them to with a lot of their major things. Some, there's the PS4 install base is so huge, it's hard to forego that money. From right. the sales you get from it, but if they're willing to do that with a major major entry like Horizon Two, like great, like you know, take full advantage of the PlayStation Five hardware, do some cool tricks with all that stuff. Cerny talked about, like you know, anything that can you know move you forward into the new generation. I'm I'm I support that, but at the same time, I understand if someone doesn't want to do that. You know, if a, if a developer wants that PS4 money, I get it. But you know, first party I think is kind of the 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 where you have to kind of vanguard that, where you have to to be the first to say, yeah, we're gonna let the old system go and do some stuff in this game that we cannot do on the PS4, and uh, that's good to me. This is one advantage, in my opinion, that the PlayStation Five have has over Xbox Series X. There, at least for quite a while, there aren't going to be any killer apps for Xbox Series X because you're always going to be able to play those games on the Xbox One X or any other prior Xbox console. Yeah, because Microsoft is committed to that, so that's part of their brand now. If you want to play Horizon Zero Dawn 2, you're going to have to buy a PlayStation 5. That's the bottom line. And it's Mm -hmm. the tried-and-true model that's been tested for decades, and it always works. You have that one game that's a killer app that gets people to buy the system, and that has not changed over time. Uh, it doesn't matter what generation you're from, it still works that way. And with Microsoft and Xbox Series X, you don't really have that. You don't have to buy an Xbox Series X to play all the biggest and baddest Xbox Series X games. You do have to do that for PlayStation 5. And so I'm wondering 
if you know that that game might have been almost done for PS4. In all honesty, I mean, it's been a while since it came out. Um, I'm just wondering if this was just purely strategic, and that Sony, you know, maybe with a little extra effort, could have got it done for PS4 as well. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's saying, you know what, we would have made a lot of money off this game on PS4, but we'd rather sacrifice that for the future success of the PlayStation 5. Well, I also feel like they probably learned a lot about their own engine working with Kojima for Death yeah, Stranding. For sure. And like, I can see even if they were, you know, partway through production on 2, if they, you know, learned some stuff, advanced the engine a bit to do what Kojima wanted to do, I could see them saying like, well, you know what? Like, we'd really like to just take this forward and just go PS5 with it and do what we know we can do without being held back by the old tech. And uh, particularly when you're talking about having to get it to run on a vanilla PS4. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it makes sense to want to leapfrog to the next one and not look back. Uh, yep. And that is more of a Sony thing than a Microsoft thing now, obviously, um, uh, especially with all the weird new tricks that Cerny was talking about in that presentation. Um, Microsoft doesn't seem to have that going so much. They're just sort of going for raw power and scaling up with bells and whistles in terms of settings. Yep. Um, Brute Sony force approach. Going for a little more specialized, a little more customized, a little more, you know, a little more under the hood tricks. Uh, and if you want to make Gorilla do something that takes advantage of that, great. I mean, it's not the first time they've anchored a launch if this is indeed a launch window. I mean, uh, they are kind of the, they always have a game available for PlayStation at launch. Mm hmm. Uh, they're very consistent at that, having a big game. Although some of those games that come out at launch from Guerrilla aren't the best. Uh, no, Kill, but uh, Killzone Shadowfall. I'm looking at you. <laughs> yeah, but, and Killzone. You know, there was a slight, I think, a disappointment in the launch of the original Killzone because you know there was the whole the bullshit. Right. Yeah. The PS3 and all that. Well, that was Killzone Three. Is that three? Yeah. I because remember they. I can't tell that, the difference between any. Was it? I think it was it three or two. Are you talking about the one where they showed the phony trailer? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's kills. Is that three. two or three? It was three. Doesn't I matter. That's it doesn't two. Matter. I don't, uh, it is, oh, you're right. It is two. The original Killzone was released on the on prior PS2. console. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It doesn't matter though. Ultimately, no. that game wasn't good either. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have not been a fan of it. I know there are people out there that love the Killzone games. As someone who plays a lot of shooters, I do not. I, I was like, never the only. There's only one thing I really liked about Killzone, and that's the weird little chirp noise it made when you get a headshot. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, the, that's right. the only thing I, I really like about, about Killzone. Yeah. Um, so, do you think that this greatly impacts the success of the PlayStation Five now? I guess it depends uh, on if it makes it out early, huh? Yeah. I mean, it greatly impacts my interest in it, um, yeah. obviously, because I love Horizon. Um, I think it helps. I mean, that's that's uh, certainly a, a killer app if you can get it out in the launch window. Um, you know, a not going to be able to play it on the competitive system, competitor systems, and B not going to be able to play it on the system you already own. Uh, that's a good incentive, and it's a big. It would be a big game, a big you know, big meaty game um, from a proven franchise, a proven developer. Like the, you know, that that would be the best launch title in PlayStation history. It probably would be. Yeah, you're right. And that's a low bar, but yes, it's, it's <laughs> but still praise, including <laughs> some of Gorilla's previous efforts, but. Uh, no, that, that would be that would be a, a bombshell announcement. It would. Yeah, it would be huge. If that game is there at the launch of the PlayStation 5, look out. It may be yeah. over fast. Because you're basically looking at Halo Infinite versus Horizon Zero Dawn 2. And I get Halo has a lot more cachet. Oh, yeah. The people know I Halo know. more. But I mean, I pick Horizon in a heartbeat. Over oh, I would play Horizon over Halo Infinite a million times over. 
if I had the choice, not know, knowing what I know now about both games anyway, I mm-hmm. would pick Horizon very quickly. Um, and I think a lot of people would probably agree. It's crazy to see, you know, a new IP taking over one of the biggest IPs in the industry, yeah. but that's just what's happened. That's it's just also interesting to me that, um, like, one of, you know, there's been a lot of, you know, kind of trends or memes going around Facebook and Twitter, just like people passing the time and a lot of it's like, post your, your 10 favorite albums of all time. Post your, and it was one going around of like, post, like, just do like a grid of your, of nine games that are important to you or meant something to you, or your favorite games, whatever. And uh, a lot of my friends did that. A lot of people I saw did that. Tons of people, even like real, real casual, like I know they don't play a lot of games, put Horizon in there. Wow. Horizon was in a lot of them. And I was like, there's a lot of it where I was like, I'm happy to see all this Horizon love, even from like really, really casual players. Um, So clearly that game made an impact um, beyond just people like us. So I think think if you can launch with that, you're going to get a lot of eyeballs you might not necessarily otherwise get. Yep. I think it's all good for Sony, in all honesty. Um, We'll see how it all plays out. Um, If I had to be one of the companies right now, I would prefer to be Sony. Agreed. I would agree with that. To manage a launch, like I would would rather be running the PlayStation 5 launch. What about you, Mitch? Which one would you run if you had the choice? Uh, It's going to be Sony. Horizon's just too good. And I guess the only... Have you owned an Xbox, Mitch, before? Yes, I've owned an Xbox 360. So I I had Halo 3. I learned Mass Effect which I didn't know how big Mass Effect was until after I played the original. And I was like, oh, this is a huge franchise. Okay, I'm going to play the sequels. Um, but uh, the only other thing I would say is what Sony has going for it right now as well, especially if this is going to be a launch title, it's coming out for PC, Horizon. So right. that is another way, another avenue for them to say, hey, you just finished the game. You want to play the sequel? Buy our console. Yeah, you're right. And it's really smart. And uh, Sony's good at this. <laughs> if you haven't figured it out yet, Sony's really, really good at this. And Microsoft has been good at it and has been bad at it. Um, Sony's never failed at this. It came close with the PlayStation 3. It did everything in its power to try to fail, and yet it still did not. So, uh, yeah, if I had to pick one, just for the first-party studios, I would pick PlayStation, to be honest with you, just to be able to work with those teams and know what's going on with those IP. Uh, throughout the development process, I'd be more excited to do that with PlayStation. And that could change. All these studios that Microsoft has purchased, they could come out with some new IP that blows my mind, and then I'll reevaluate. But right now, if I had to run one, it would undoubtedly be PlayStation. You also have all that momentum of PS4 and blah, blah, blah. For a million reasons. Like, I might change my mind uh, once we get into, like, the big releases from the the developers that Microsoft has purchased. Yeah. That is not going to be a launch. Nope. It's not that's not going to be a part of it at all. Yeah. Um, Once Hellblade Two shows up, you got my attention again. But like that's a ways out. Yep. It still is. All right. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about wrestling. We hardly ever <laughs> talk about wrestling on Game Face, but for whatever reason, the last like three weeks, there's been all these stories, and we've been talking about it. Now, I will say, I am not a wrestling fan. I, when I was a kid, I loved wrestling. From like, I don't know, probably seven to like ten or eleven. Uh, my dad would drop me off downtown. I'd go to the magazine store and I would just sit there and just look at wrestling magazines. And I would always, I would always go for the cheapest looking magazine because those magazines would cover those weird like Texas leagues or like deep South wrestling. And those were the leagues that were really taking the bumps and were cutting 
you know, they were bleeding and, you know, smashing yeah. chair. Back then, the WWF, which was what it was called then, was really tame compared to all these other underground wrestling leagues. Yeah, so, Vince's original like strategy with that was to basically clean up wrestling, make it less of a carny show. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, but you still had, you know, and that was the, 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 the friction with him on that was like those, all the, the local promotions, like, we're like, no, that's not what wrestling is. Wrestling is a, is a down and dirty carnival show of a sideshow, like, you know, it's, it's you know, it, that's Gritty. what it was, you know, and yeah. like, that's what the extreme, you know, ECW and all those things that like still competed, competed with him in the, in the, uh, in the attitude era. Uh, that was like, you know, that's where, you know, uh, Mick Foley came out of that, that whole tradition. Yep. Um, barbed wire matches and stuff like that. Like I, I was never like super into that stuff. I was, you know, I, I was introduced to wrestling through the WWF in the eighties. Um, I remember watching WrestleMania one and WrestleMania two. And I think it was, Wrest I think it was the match where, um, uh, uh, That's when I was way into it. Do you remember the match where Ricky the Dragon Steamboat supposedly swallowed his own tongue when Randy Savage hit him with the bell? Oh yeah, I do. I, that, that was one of the ones, and I was like, I, I was like freaked out because I'm like, like that guy just swallowed. And my mom's like, no, that's it's not real. Like it's yeah. just, it, she had to explain. I still it remember it the real. day that I accepted that wrestling was fake. Because <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, it was that day because I was afraid I was watching a man choke to death on television, and, <laughs> and she had to explain that he was okay, and they were just acting. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. I've never like yeah. when I once I got to ten and I realized that it was fake. Yeah, I seriously fell out of love with it really quickly, and really didn't care about wrestling at all for years and years until the wrestling games for the Nintendo 64. Mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason, those games were just great, and there were two kind of takes on it. There was THQ's take, which was arcadey, although I would argue those THQ games in some ways are better than what's being made today by 2K. And then you had Acclaim's wrestling games, and they were more realistic and tried to... To, to me, in a lot of ways, they were kind of the progenitors of what was going to come with the UFC and MMA games. They, did, they tried to make it as realistic as possible... And in a lot of ways, the gameplay suffered. Uh, and I would argue that since then, um, the various license holders for these games have continued to try to go the realism route. And to me, I think that that is the wrong approach. Well, we told you that WWE 2K21 had already been canceled for next year, but that there was a new product coming, and we have found out what that product is and it is WWE 2K Battlegrounds. It is an arcade-style wrestling game uh, made by the same studio that made the NBA 2K Playgrounds game that came out, I believe it was early last year, which was also an arcade-style basketball game in the vein of NBA Jam. Matt, which style do you prefer for your wrestling games? Um, arcade, all day, every day. Yeah. Like that's what it is. NCC4 that's what style, wrestling is. The all the Aki stuff is the yeah. best. You know, no Mercy, WrestleMania 2000. Like, uh, I loved in those games how yeah. you could concentrate on one body part. Mm -hmm. Like, and you could make sure all your moves were focused on that one body part, and you could win the match just because you, like, broke his knee or his, or his elbow was ruined. Like, those games what I got were really 20... Is actually, Fire Pro Wrestling on, on the Saturn... Yeah, I imported that from Japan and played it over and over, you know built my own stables and 
I was never a huge wrestling fan, like a hardcore, like paid attention, but I always like kind of vaguely kept an eye on it through the years. And like, I kind of watched it when the undertaker showed up and like, once the NCC four games came out, I got, I kind of got back into it. And, um, uh, you remember Andrew? Yeah. Yeah. He was in, we, we played, uh, it's the guy we worked with at tech TV, but he was, he was my friend and we both started writing for tech TV at the same time. And I obviously got a little more into it than he did, but, um, we would play a lot of the wrestling games, the N64 stuff together, and we got into watching, in the Attitude Era, we got into watching WWF, like, the whole time. And all through all that, we went to a couple of the shows. Like, I got, you know, I'd never gone to an actual wrestling show before. We went to a few, of the, a few of the Raws in San Jose. I saw Triple H tear his hamstring. Um, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a whole thing for a while. And then after, like, kind of that whole era sort of, sort of died down and the games got really terrible, like, I just sort of stopped paying attention and then I kind of came back to pay attention a few years ago when some of my friends got into it. And I was like, I come back here every like 10 years. New generations generally. And somehow the Undertaker is still there. So. <laughs> well, you know, they uh, a lot of those older wrestlers now, they, they're actually bringing them back because they're filming everything in studio and it's all pre-shot mm -hmm. and pre-edited. Like a lot of those old guys can't do full matches anymore. So... This, the coronavirus has actually worked out for them because now they can actually be in matches because they can do a move, get the shot, take a break, mm -hmm. drink, catch your breath, turn on the cameras, get the next move. And it's allowed some of these senior wrestlers to get back into the ring again instead of just being a manager or a part of those goofy, like trash talking segues that they do all the time. Um, I prefer the arcade approach for wrestling because I think it encapsulates what wrestling is to me. Wrestling isn't this crazy technical thing. That's real wrestling. That's college wrestling. That's high school wrestling. Professional wrestling is all about pomp and circumstance and presentation and being over the top. Everything that arcade style sports games are. And to me, wrestling games are a perfect fit for this. I don't want to play a wrestling game and have to sit there. It's like MMA. I love MMA. I don't really like playing MMA games because they become too complicated. I like the first couple UFC games because they tried to work all the elements of MMA into it. So you had stand-up and you had grappling and you had groundwork. Um, but they didn't go so deep into it that it became impossible to play. In the last couple UFC games, I picked them up and I'm like, bro, I know MMA real well. I worked with Spike when it had the UFC I have no interest in playing this game at all. And that's where wrestling games have got for me. Like, I would love to experience the goofiness, the fun part of the WWE, but the games just aren't fun. Like, the, the intros take forever. They always look weird and awkward. Like, I, I just feel like the franchise has lost its way. And while I look at this brand new game, WWE 2K Battlegrounds, and it's not particularly impressive, I hate the art style, I hate the art style that they use in that and in NBA 2K Playgrounds, but I can see that it appears to be fun to play and not this thing that you're going to have to sit down and grind at for days and days before you get moderately good at it. So I think this approach is the right one. We should also bring up that this is not the way all 2K's wrestling games are going to be going forward. Uh, they are still going to do the old 2K franchise, and it appears that visual concepts with that old Sega sports developer, you guys probably hear, wait, why do I know that name? That's why they made all the NFL 2K games, all the NBA 2K games. It appears that they are now going to jump on the more 
serious wrestling product for 2K. So that's not going away. But I do wonder if this game does particularly well, if maybe 2K starts to reevaluate its wrestling product. Do you think they will, Matt? Um, I can't really tell what they're thinking about any of these games anymore. Like, I don't... It's just such a mess. They're always such a mess. And, like, to the point that I just stopped paying attention. Because, like, a really solid wrestling game that captures the the athleticism of it, but also the, the, the pageantry, like, that's really what you need that gets the characters right, that gets the... You know the alliances and the and the and the conflicts, right? That lets you play with that. That lets you sort of you know almost design it. So, because like, obviously you're always going to be a little behind the curve in terms of the storylines and the alliances and and who's with what and who's doing what. You give them give the player the freedom to sort of do that on their own and sort of and you know a lot of them have done that. You know they used, they used to be slightly more freeform. They used to be I've always felt like they were more you know, willing to let you sort of design your own or kind of like go through go through the the road to WrestleMania and some of those older games and like add your own character in or like, like, you know, decide who should fight for this or who should, like it was, it was, when it was more like you were directing like a play, it felt a little more true to the, to the product. And the way that like 2Ks, at least I haven't played one in a few years, but while I was, when I did play them, I kind of in the last, like last couple I played, you know, probably going back like 2013, 2014, it just felt like they were trying to make sports games. And I just think that's the wrong angle. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, they're not sports. <laughs> they're, no, they're, they're, it's a drama show. That's what it is. Yeah, that? they're stunt shows with soap, soap opera elements. Basically. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. And I think you're right. I think the quicker they start approaching their gaming products in that way, I think the quicker those products will get to a place where fans like them and non-fans. Like when I played those N64 wrestling games, I hadn't like rekindled my love for the WWF or anything. It just was a fun video game to play. None of my friends cared about wrestling either. And we played that game like crazy because it was just fun for anyone to play. And that's, well, I, to me, well, what they need to get back game, to. That was pretty much where we were coming from, too. But that game made us care about wrestling. Like, that game made us start watching it. Like, it, it Interesting. the job backwards, almost. Huh. I mean, that's what it's supposed to do. <laughs> that's theory, that's yeah. WWE should. signs with 2K to get people to watch their shows, you know? Yeah, you should, you should, your game should be fun enough and be engaging enough with these characters that I want to see more of them. And yep. that is exactly, that's exactly what happened. I'm like, I want to see more of Steve Austin and Kane and The Undertaker and all these weird characters. And so I started tuning in to see, you know, what, so this thing that I hadn't watched in 15 years. Yep. So, now, Vincent. Good job. Yeah. That's what is how it's supposed to work. Uh, Vincent in the chat is saying that he played NBA Playgrounds, NBA 2K Playgrounds, and he said that there is a lot of grinding involved to unlock cards for new players, and he he's reticent that that might carry over into this wrestling game as well, mm -hmm. uh, and rightfully so. I mean, when you look at studios, how they do things, they do tend to replicate it across a lot of their games, so it's possible. Um, hopefully they got enough feedback from people like Vincent saying that this is trash and they won't do it for this game. So I'm not going to just assume that it's going to have kind of those nasty elements to it, uh, but there is a, a possibility for it, which thank you to uh, Vincent for getting that out there so we could share it with everybody. But I'm more excited about this arcade-style wrestling game than I have been for any WWE game in a really long time. So maybe mission accomplished if they can just execute on it. Uh, wrestling's a lot different than basketball, though, so we'll see. Yeah, they've, they've at least got my attention, which is more than you can say for the last five or six years of wrestling games. Exactly. So again, 
Mission accomplished, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're doing something right. We'll see what Visual Concepts does with the core wrestling game. I'm not holding my breath on that one, though. Uh, at least Visual Concepts does have experience working on a variety of different sports, which should help. But, yeah, not a lot of wrestling experience or fighting game experience or mm -hmm. MMA experience, stuff like that. Uh, they never made a boxing game, to the best of my knowledge, either. So, uh, There was a Visual Concepts boxing game. Was there? Yeah, I'm what was it? What's ninety percent sure that was a thing? What system was it for? Was it? I don't remember. Probably like I remember Dreamcast or something. I mean, this is, I'm, I'm talking way, way long ago. Well, that I, could I, help a little maybe bit. It never came out. I know they were working on a, a boxing game at some point. I remember that. Well, if they were working on one, that's good. There may still be people there, and I will say this: there are a lot of people at Visual Concepts that were there during the Dreamcast era. They have not Dreamcast left. Came out. It doesn't look like any, they did. They did one, but I remember well, they they had one in development at some point. Well, even if they worked on one for a little while, that's better than nothing. So it hopefully those people who worked on that are still there and they can apply some of the things that they learned working on that to. Ah, they did Weapon Lord. I remember Weapon Lord. <laughs> what a what a. But game. again, you know, they're they have worked on a variety of genres, which should hopefully help them as they work on this new wrestler. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about. Fortnite, and based upon what's going on right now around the world what may just very well be the future of live entertainment so Fortnite, if you remember did has done a concert before um and it decided to do another one the first one was a smashing success the second one happened a couple days ago with travis scott and i will fully admit i have no idea who Travis Scott is. When I saw the trailer, I thought it was like, isn't there a motocross guy that plays drums named Travis Scott? That's who I thought it was. As it turns out, it's not. It's a hip-hop artist. And uh, he did a live concert inside Fortnite that had 27.7 million viewers. That is mind-boggling. That would make it the second most watched thing on television any year you want to give me, with number one being the Super Bowl. So, Matt, holy crap. the Super Bowl by a very comfortable margin, to be fair. Right, but uh, still, it, it also beats pretty much anything else yeah. by a comfortable margin. So it's like everybody else and then there's Fortnite concerts and the super bowl matt do you especially with the way things are right now where we're not allowed to gather together could this be becoming the new concert the new festival the new thing could we end up paying to go to these things i mean maybe um i i would hope they start lasting more than 10 minutes Right. Yeah, that's the um, other thing. So it only lasted 10 minutes, which is uh, not really a concert at all. <laughs> I, I, the thing I'm doubly impressed by is that the game handled it. Like, that many people were signed on to do this one thing, and it all worked. So I guess well done, Epic, uh, for building something that can handle that kind of a load. Well, um, the, they, the, so the 27 million wasn't all from one viewing, um, they had a couple viewings, and that was the aggregate number okay. of people, but they still had over, I think I saw 13 million at least in one broadcast. 
Yeah, so, so something like it was something like 10, 10 to thirteen million in, in the for, in the initial yeah round, which is still really, impressive. Really <laughs> Holy crap, yeah, man! There's a lot of different instances for that, but it was all happening at once. So. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And so, I, mean, do you, I don't, I didn't see it, so I don't really, I don't really get it. Like, I don't, I don't like, get it either. Like, I'm I don't still think kind of matters. in the who cares realm <laughs> for that. But like, if, it, if that's what people want, then like, hey. Go for it. I mean, if, that, if it works, go for it. Like, I'm, I'm kind of, that's kind of how I feel about the whole Fortnite phenomenon to begin with. It's like, okay, sure, like do it. Like if that's a thing people want, meet the need. Um, but do you think people will ever pay for things like this? Maybe. Like I don't know. Like I, you know, like to like, like it depends how much you charge. I guess it, it kind of ties in with what I was talking about, like you know, doing like an online version of streaming like Comic Con panels or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think people will pay for that. Like they're maybe not going to pay like Ticketmaster prices for it, but like if someone if you, once you prove yourself and these become like cultural events like this, like a zeitgeist thing, you can kind of leverage the FOMO to say, hey, give us five bucks to see this thing. I think it could work. However, it it has to be live. It can't yes. be. This pre-produced, pre-canned thing that people just show up to and consume. People will have to know that the actual artists are there and are involved in it in some way. I mean, mm-hmm. otherwise, you're basically asking people to watch music to pay to watch music videos, right? Um, which we kind of do if if we have cable and we have MTV. <laughs> it's a more it's a more direct way of doing that. right right but that's what you're asking unless it is live and to the best of my knowledge that is not what what's happening in Fortnite. these are pre-produced events that happen in front of people and they can view them but there's no interaction with the artist other than maybe they're in chat or they're firing off emojis and crap like that mm-hmm. um it's not like the band is in a mocap suit on a soundstage somewhere or in front of a green screen somewhere, and they're live inside the game. Um, and to me... Although I bet a lot of people do think that it is. They might, yeah, because some people just don't understand how things work. Um, so I people. think you're right. You probably will get some people who are like, I don't care. Um, I just want to hang out with my bros from Fortnite while something crazy is happening. You're going to get that. But I think for it to be commercially viable for people like me, Say one of my favorite bands is doing a concert in Fortnite. Um, I'm not going to go to that if it's just like these avatars of my favorite band on a stage while they move around and their music plays. Like that's not going to get me to pay money. I mean, maybe um, if it was craft work. Maybe. Because they would that's do something. That's all they do really, anyway. Because that's all they do anyway. And they would do something <laughs> really freaking cool with it too. It yeah. wouldn't just be something basic like that. So I hear you. Um, but. I think that's the step that needs to be taken before this can be a revenue model for Fortnite. Cause you know, they're looking at it and I guarantee you all these festival promoters who throw these big festivals like Bonnaroo or EDC, I guarantee you they have been reaching out to Epic, asking them how they're doing this kind of stuff mm-hmm. because they're done. Like all my friends right now who are DJs, producers, agents, they're all screwed. They have, they are making no money. And won't for the foreseeable future. So they're all scrambling, trying to figure out ways. Like one of my buddies who is a gigantic agent for literally hundreds of the world's biggest DJs. He was telling me that they've been talking about like doing social distancing at like festivals and raves. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah, I'm trying to picture that. That's how desperate they are. And what mm-hmm. the idea was that they would, they would chalk 
boxes on the ground. So if it's an outdoor festival, it just like you make the lines on a football field or a soccer pitch, mm-hmm. they would go in the grass and they would create zones and it would be one person to his own that where they had to dance and hang out. Um, so, uh, and he, no pit. Yeah. Oh, well, if those <laughs> things, there aren't pits. <laughs> there aren't even bands that would that would create a pit because he works with electronic music. But yeah, bring, pit, uh, bring, yeah I went uh, to see the Misfits in a pit with like literally 8,000 people. If coronavirus, there was even one person with coronavirus in that crowd, everyone would have got it because everyone's sweat and spit and stuff are flying everywhere. Like, yeah, like things like that are just not going to happen. So these this industry is desperate to try to find ways to solve it. And I guarantee they're looking at Fortnite and they're like, there it is. There it is. That's something we can do. Picture in my head of like some people trying to do that bounce the balloon, the ball thing around in the crowd thing, but it lands between squares. (laughs) No (laughs) No one can can go out and get it. (laughs) 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 That's freaking hilarious. Now I would say this for certain genres, it works better than others. So electronic music, hip hop, it works better because with electronic music, all a DJ really does is just stand there and pump his fist anyway. If you could figure out a way where the DJ was actually playing a live set and you still had those canned animations, I don't think people would care. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hip hop, as long as the dude's like walking around and like flexing his arms and crap, like I don't think they would care as much. But if you're talking about bands that have like guitar players and bass players and a drummer and a singer, that's where I think it's not going to be successful. Um, but it looked, this is a huge opportunity and it came at the right time. Now, again, they did do one of these before that was big, but not as big as this one. Um, and so it wasn't the first time, but I think this shows that it, it was more than just a really cool gimmick when it happened the first time, this is something that can be sustainable, something that eventually, if you're smart, you can figure out a way to monetize it. And also if you're Epic, if you can figure out a way to license that tech, and give it to all these promoters that are throwing the big festivals and the raves and license it to them for big chunks of money, it could become a whole new revenue stream for Epic. So mm-hmm. um, it's so far- Epic could just the, become the new ticket master. Seriously. I mean, I'm not kidding. Like they could become like the gatekeeper for virtual events. Now, if, if other companies are smart, they're out there scrambling right now trying to figure out how they're doing this um, and want to provide a- a better B2B experience uh, than Epic, then maybe you could kind of shoehorn your way into that industry. Uh, but I mean, it is kind of the future. And uh, sadly right now the future is here because we all can't leave and we're stuck in our apartments or our houses right now. Um, if I were Epic, I would really start trying to figure out a way to have real concerts in Fortnite that you can charge for. Even if you just have to charge like V bucks to get in, like the mm-hmm. in-game currency. Um, to start, maybe that's what you do is you just charge V bucks, which do have real or, monetary value but. or do a thing. I would love to see them get like real weird where they like do like a thing where you have to like play in an event to earn a ticket. No, oh, like that's maybe, a good idea too. You know, like giving like or maybe like spe- or yeah, I guess like a special special concert where like only people who win a game in the week leading up get to go. Yeah. Maybe you get like you only you are there for the first three songs and then the whole mm-hmm. show opens up for everybody else. Or something like winners of the event, uh, winners of a game the day before get a ticket. If you, yeah. if you come in first during a game. Yeah. But everyone else cool needs stuff. to pay like three bucks. Yep. You can do all kinds of cool stuff with it. And I think that's why we're talking about this because make it a desirable thing. That's yeah. That's what, what it needs to be. I mean, it's just it's the balls on the tee right now. And it's going to be interesting to see if Epic 
is the game to smash it to the, is the, the the player to smash it to the green or if it's someone else, but someone's going to do it. Yeah, um, I mean, Epic has been for a while now, so it wouldn't surprise. I mean, they have the infrastructure, they have the audience, they have everything in their court for that. So I, I would imagine, you know, and they've got really smart people and some of some of whom we know personally who are, you know, probably the people in charge of planning some of this. Uh, they've yep. already, already planned some of the best E3 parties ever. Yep. Um, <laughs> That's for sure. So, uh, and I'm after, if they get this off the ground, I can't imagine what the next one's going to look like if there is a next one. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, it's an interest. I mean, I don't have any interest in, in what the, you know, the concert they just did, but like, it was an interesting event. It was an, it was, it was surprising to me that like that was it was an a so big and be like i looked at it a brief clip of it and i'm just like yeah i get it i'm more like i don't get it in terms of like you know why 27 million yeah i would, I would never have called early on it's like oh how many people are gonna watch oh i think 27 million people are gonna watch this like, yeah. I that. but like I, you watch it and you're like yeah okay i get yeah i, I get it yeah i can understand why and it's and a, the truth of the matter is a lot of the top 40 stars now will work great in that format yeah because they are all hip-hop or electronic where they just sing along there's not a lot of yeah, instrumentation it's just a performance a from a person like that's all you need you know it's, it's not like yeah yep. getting aerosmith to play would be a different beast oh yeah yeah um, absolutely and you probably wouldn't get 27 million people but um yeah i wonder also how much of it is just the the kind of the the, the unique aspect of it where a lot of people came in it's like yeah. what the hell is this i want to see what this is you know like what happens when the shine comes off yeah, yeah. that's a good the question other thing becomes like because I've talked about in the past, like how, like you know, the internet and the, and the proliferation of music uh, through MP3 and then through music services has kind of made it so nobody a you you can listen to anything at any time. B like you're never going to have another thriller moment where everyone buys the same album because the the mono kind of the pop monoculture is that's what it feeds you and says like this is what you were everyone's listening to this is what's on the radio this is what's on M- MTV and you need to buy it and listen to it too because that's what everyone's doing. Um, and I was like, well, that's never going to happen again because there's never going to be sort of a concentration of any kind of pop culture zeitgeist that like matches up to that. But if you got 27 million people watching this thing, like <laughs> you kind of, that's, that's, that. like, that's that again. <laughs> like, that, like, you know, yeah. Plat- remember platinum albums, like what? 5 million copies. Like that's, that's not that many. You know, like if you, yeah. you, you, you kind of recreated that phenomenon, if you play your cards right on that and whether you think that's a good thing or not, that's a matter of opinion. But like, Epic should not underestimate the, the the power of what they've just created. The other thing too is that artists are looking for stuff like this because they yeah. don't make money off their music anymore. Unless you're like they make money um, off the concerts that aren't that's happening, performing live. That's where they make all their money and merch. They make a ton mm-hmm. of money on the merch that they sell at their concerts because they're crazy overpriced or whatever. Um, and so they're looking for ways to replace that revenue now and this is it this is a place you could even sell and this is crazy but you could set up a merch stand in the concert where you walk up and you pay v bucks to get shirts for your avatar like the possibilities are endless man it's going to take smart programmers to figure it out but epic's got them so uh, this could become huge and if this really keeps dragging on like if you're epic you want to get start getting these things out asap like i'm hoping like they have the next one planned already they should um I'm sure they it, do because it shouldn't be hard to find people who are willing to do it and they shouldn't be dragging their feet to do it because it could literally as if they need more money but it could literally open up an entirely brand new revenue stream for epic that they can then parlay into 
uh, building better and more games for us, for the people who want to play them. So it could be a win-win for a lot of industries that are struggling right now. I hope Epic, and I, I'm guessing they are, I hope Epic is on this and it's uh, it's working it. It, did, it was a long time in between the two concerts. I'll say that. I mean, it's been months and months since the last one. So it took them a long time to get that second one going. Hopefully that doesn't carry through for the third. But uh, I think we all agree. Mitch, are you cool with this? How do you feel about seeing virtual concerts as a millennial? Uh, you know, I know who Travis Scott was. I guess, yeah, I, I kind of figured you would. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I'm not a fan of his music. I think the one bad thing that came out of this was people that didn't want to go to the concert were forced to be in it because <laughs> there was no option to say, I just want to play Fortnite. There was right. going to I Fortnite was going to mention earlier that maybe... Yeah, I was going to mention earlier, maybe they should work it in a way so that even if you just want to play the game, like you can see the concert like off in the background on the map and you can maybe hear like the the beat like really low or whatever. So, you know, what's going on, but you can still play the game. And I don't I'm not a fan of the concert idea of doing it live, to be honest. Like, I think the, the avenue they may have is premiering new music. That could a be new an song avenue. or something. Exactly. Because yeah. then you're not having to try to figure out how to do it live. Because there are plenty of ways that artists are doing stuff live. I mean, we still have late night shows on network television that they're just performing from home. They're not getting that same revenue like concerts are, but they are still getting out there in that aspect. And so I think maybe premiering a new song and kind of pairing it up with graphical type things, or if a new album comes out and they do an album concert. Like that's something I could see it more of than being a live concert experience. I don't see it, but that's just me. You don't see what the interest or it being possible. Kind of a little bit of both. I don't see how you would make it work uh, being live, especially in a game world. It's very, um, uh, it does not connected. Uh, I don't see the connection between doing something live and then having it in a game. You rather have it pre-recorded if you're going to do something in a game. So that. That's, but why? Why is it? Because you're because you're because uh, it's the gaming world. So like you're in a gaming world. You're not connected to a form of reality. And so when you throw that in, it's it's a little dis, disjointing in my brain, at least. Well, I think you're taking a different angle with it. You're looking at it from the perspective of the gamer. I'm looking at it from the perspective of someone who wants to see a concert. Um, And, you know, the crossover there, who knows how much there is. Um, But most people who enjoy going to concerts are not going to go to a concert that's that's pre-recorded. They they like going to concerts because they want to see the artist play the songs live. Because when you hear a lot, like for me, when I go to a concert, the worst thing that could happen is I walk out and I say it sounded just like the CD. That's not what I go to concerts for. I don't go to concert to listen to the CD with a bunch of other people, I go to the concert to hear how they play the songs live and how the guitar player plays a a little fill uh, during the bridge or how they play the guitar solo live versus how it sounds in the recording. Uh, The pedals that they use for their guitars when they play live versus how they, when they recorded it and they had a ton of equipment, all that stuff is what makes me go to concerts. In addition to the social aspect of it, and all the other stuff that you also get with the virtual concert. And, and um, I get that. I think it's just, I think there are better avenues besides Fortnite to do something like that, to create a true concert experience for you. Um, I don't think Fortnite is the answer to that. 
Uh, so you think putting the band in a garage and just streaming it with cameras is better? Yeah, and, and, and using different platforms to show that off so you connect with a real community. Because, um, I, I mean, again, and like you said, that's the thing, that's the it thing. limits if you a, what you can do in regards to artists because, you know, you have to but find that is someone the thing that's famous. about doing it in a game, though, is that watching a stream of the real band in a garage or whatever playing, you can chat. Um, that's it. You're not there physically and you're not there with other people who are there physically, virtually physically, but still they have an avatar there of their body that they can emote with. They can talk with, they can do dances. Um, because again, that's the other part of going to concerts for me. It's the seeing the different versions of the songs being played, but it's also being there with the fans of that band because I'm a fan of that band and I like talking to fans who are also fans of that band because they've got bootleg copies of live concerts. They've got uh, MP3s of the demo version of the album uh, that they can send to me and we can share and I can give them my bootlegs that I have and we can stand there and talk. And But it, Fortnite doesn't give you that. Fortnite doesn't give you that interaction. Now, if they offer an something avatar, that can, you can dance and you can chat. But if, not to, to not to that, like I, people don't do that in Fortnite though. People run around and jump around and, and, and also during the concert, you're flying around. How are you going to find somebody's profile? The way the format they have it right now, it just wouldn't work in my mind. Of what no, no, you you're right. The way for. they did the Travis Scott but, thing would not work. You're and, right. But, but that doesn't maybe, mean that they can't adjust it to no, make I, it I, work. And I don't disagree. I'm just saying in the current format they have, I don't see it working. But something like putting it in VR would be something that in for a concert would be more interesting for me. Like I would, I would totally be way more interested if this was a VR experience. But that'll never happen because everyone has to have a VR helmet. True. I mean, yeah, it may happen a hundred years true. from now, but it's not in the immediate future anyway. Um, but you're right. There's different ways that you can approach it. And again, I think that's why this is a big opportunity because it's different. You want one thing. I want one thing. But the way this is set up, they could satisfy us both, you know? Um, sure, you don't want to be in a live concert in a virtual world. You're cool with it being pre-recorded. Maybe because of the, the genres that you like or the artists that you like, it works for them. But there are other people who like guitar bands and like full bands and like to go out to concerts that are going to want to hear those songs play live. And I think that they can do with this tool, they can do both and they can make it work for both audiences. So it'll be interesting to see where they take it. Uh, I think they will take it somewhere. They'd be idiots not to, and they're not idiots. So I think we're going to see a lot more of this. I think they're going to get better. I think they're going to become more varied over time, and they'll eventually appeal to a lot more people as they do that. So big opportunity for Epic here. Um, it's more than that at this point. It's not an opportunity. It's real. Uh, it's something they just need to figure out how they make money off of it. So. Yeah. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about something not quite as fun, unfortunately. Uh, Nintendo's pretty consumer-friendly in general. At least I believe they are. You don't hear a lot of... Except when they're trying to make you know, buy the, fourth, the same game for the fourth just console in a row. But you don't have to do that. <laughs> but for the most part, they're pretty consumer-friendly. Uh, they have made like their, their platforms uh, region-free for the last couple entries. They've been listening... They've made a lot of changes to how they do things. They're a, they just allow online play in their games now, whereas they wouldn't for a really long time. Uh, but one thing Nintendo has not really been consumer-friendly with and not been forward-thinking with is its online world for its platforms. 
Uh, Nintendo Online, as you guys all know, it's very cheap. It's like 20 bucks a year. It allows you to play games online on Switch. It also gives you access to a small library of retro games that you can play. Um, but again, it's cheaper. So expectations, the bar is low. You don't expect much out of it. But I think no matter how much you pay, there are certain things that you are going to expect. And one of those is for the company that you sign up with to protect your data. In 2020, that is huge and it's a big expectation and rightfully so, most people should expect it. Well, this week, Nintendo, and I'll say this, a lot of other companies have had this problem for a while. This is the first time it's really happened to Nintendo, but it had a data breach and 160,000 at least that's what they say, 160,000 customers' information was leaked. So they did not get credit card numbers, but they got everything else. So they have your name, they have your address, they have your phone number, they have your email address, which in a lot of cases is all somebody needs to go out and sign up for stuff and put it on your credit and ruin your credit. It happened to me, actually. Uh, somebody's opened up a Verizon account with my name, and literally that started a year-long process of trying to get it cleared off my credit. So... It's, it's a very common thing, but Nintendo has been immune to it until now. Um, and so it's saying 160,000 accounts. Who knows if that's accurate? Could be less, more than likely. It's probably more, uh, but 160,000 accounts. Now, this was also as a part of one of Nintendo's legacy accounts. I believe it was the Nintendo ID or the NID mm -hmm. account that was actually breached. Um, so for a lot of people... It's probably not going to bring harm to most folks, but it does show that Nintendo has not been dotting its I's and crossing its T's when it handles customer data, and in all honesty, when it looks at its online uh, structure and the way it's handling customer data online, uh, or if you're just looking at it like, what features do I get when I take a Nintendo platform online? It's falling behind. And this week, it was pretty much laid bare when 160,000 customers' data was put into the hands of criminals. Uh, Matt, do you think, and uh, we should also say, since you can't see the lower thirds, the lower third for this topic is Karma 2. <laughs> so I don't feel bad for Nintendo, I'll be honest, because it was a legacy system that it should have been buttoned up long ago. And also because Nintendo's dedication to... It's online infrastructure, it's online functionality, it's online everything has been abysmal for a very, very long time. Um, so Matt, do you view this as Nintendo getting what it deserves for being lackadaisical and maybe now it'll convince it to sort of clean up its own backyard or do you think they're just going to brush it off and be like, whatever? I mean, I don't know if it's what, I mean, it's more like, I don't know if it was a Nintendo deserves it is it, what they deserve is maybe a wake up call. Sure. But like the people who suffer, the people who like signed up for these things, um, 160,000, isn't that many? It's not really when you, in when the you grand scheme of leaks, grand scheme yeah. of how many people are signed up for the switch online. You know, I think it came through the, 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 the I think the Wii U, uh, Nintendo 3DS sort of side of, of the accounts. Yeah. Um, I, I changed all my stuff. I don't think I got hit by anything. Um, but uh, I mean, at least they notified people. 
Um, I'm mildly surprised they have two-factor two-factor authentication. Yeah, yeah was, they're like they reminded everybody to do it, and I was like, "You have two-factor authentication? Like, oh, you, you, you have that? Wow! Look, look who's in the 21st century. Well done, Nintendo. Um, I mean, it'd be nice to see them sort of step up and make it more of a, a modern system. I mean, it's like I don't if there's a way to see uh, your purchase history, I couldn't find it on their website. You can't. You can't. Um, That's one of the big bizarre. things. That, so like, that's the problem. Nobody knew this was happening because there are no alerts for Nintendo online. You can't monitor your purchase history. You don't get an alert when somebody logs into your account. So I didn't you see have, a way to sign out of all devices. Nope. Useful all that stuff. That you, yeah. All that stuff that should just be a given is not a part of Nintendo's online infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And so to me... If they face a class action lawsuit over this or whatever, which will probably happen because it always does, I'm not going to shed any tears for the big N on this one. Uh, it, it has made a conscious decision for over a decade to not have modern, uh, have a modern online environment. It just has. And it, you know, it hides behind the, the kids, the kids, the kids. Well, guess what? Not everyone is a kid who's using your system. It's great to protect the kids, but you also need to protect the big kids like me. And you're not. Uh, we're, we're the ones the putting our credit cards into your website. Their credit cards on. Yeah, we're the ones. Those kids aren't old enough to have credit cards, bro. We are. We're the ones, even if you have kids, that's a parent's credit card that's in that website and is paying for stuff uh, that they get from Nintendo. So, look, it needs to wake the F up. That's the bottom line. You can't go through life like this anymore in 2020. If you want to be a big player in a technological space, you can't operate this way anymore. At least I don't think you can. No, I mean, I do get an email whenever I buy anything from Nintendo stuff, and I didn't get anything that get I didn't buy. Yeah. Um, but, like, it was just it was just surprising to me how, how bare bones everything is, because I hadn't signed into the website of it forever. You know, like, it's I go on. I go on the Switch and I buy whatever whatever thing, or I would on the 3DS. I would buy whatever thing, and I'm just like, that's all I see of it. And you go on the, on the Nintendo website, and it's it's almost as empty as the 3DS interface. <laughs> I think I have like three Nintendo logins at this point. I don't even like like I just try all three now. It's like if I'm using the app or I'm on the console or I'm trying to buy something, I just have to go cycle through those three logins, and hopefully one of them works. Um, yeah, I have the whatever that they're all linked up. However, so I can finally sign in through one specific right. thing. I'd have a different name than usual on the 3ds because my normal name was taken, which is weird because it's a word that I made up. Huh. But um, it's uh, it's I mean it's it's disheartening that Nintendo's so far behind the curve on this. Uh, I don't know why that is. I guess they just don't find it to be a priority. But like, it's one thing to not have the bells and whistles of a modern online system. Uh, in terms of user interface or user experience, it's very much another to be this far behind in terms of being able to monitor your own account's integrity. And protecting your customers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would hope, to, I'd like to see them kind of come to their senses and revamp stuff, but that would also be a little bit out of character. Um, I guess we'll have to see what they do going forward. At least they notified everybody when they found out. Do you think we've also got to happen? Remember, remember, Sony yeah. didn't do that for a while. Neither did Equifax. Remember, yeah. Equifax leaked yeah. all our stuff. It didn't tell us for like freaking months. <laughs> so look, it's not just Nintendo. And my next point that I was going to ask you about is because this has become so common. I mean, Equifax pretty much leaked everyone's social security. I have to like use a pin to file my taxes for like the rest of my life because of the Equifax breach. So, do you think that? 
because it has become so commonplace that people are just going to let Nintendo off the hook and just be like, yep, that's what happens when you have a website. I mean, nobody that knows what they're doing will. Uh, I'm sure that the, the Nintendo faithful, the, uh, the Mario monks, as we used to call them uh, back in the day, they will excuse anything. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would hope that there's people internal at Nintendo that don't find that acceptable. Um, you know, if that happened to their internal security, I'm sure they would be rather upset. Exactly. That's a good point. So. <laughs> I bet you they protect their develop their games and development a lot better than that. Yeah, I'm like, I still remember when they had to send a guy in to change the disc on the Wii debug system, dude. So, like, don't give me that shit that you don't care about in security. You do when it has to do with your stuff. With your stuff. When it's your money, your IP, you care. When it's when, us. When there, was an, when there was an internet outage, like, they would call us five minutes later and be like, your Wii's awful. I'm like, yeah, everything's offline. Thank yeah, you. There was, a, there was a crack of thunder that turned the power. They could call me yeah. at, like, three and four in the morning and yeah. be like, your Wii went offline. I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? <laughs> It's four in the morning. Four in the morning. Stop talking about my weed. He's like, not for me. It's I'm 7 a.m. I'm in New York. I'm like, I don't care where you are, dude. You don't wake me up because the power went off in our building. That whole thing was, I'm but sorry. you're right. Everything on the West Coast has to operate by East Coast time. That's a rule. Yeah. And then with the N64, they'd show up with like a cage around the N64. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't take the cartridge out of the console. Same with the GameCube. Yeah. They're so Game- paranoid. GameCube had, had a literal steel skeleton around it that wouldn't let the, 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 the disc come the out. Door, the disc open. Yep. The door couldn't open. And so you're right. Like they're crazy paranoid about their stuff, but they don't seem to care yeah. all that much. Apparently, about we ours. should all keep our credit cards in debug machines, and then maybe we get <laughs> So, bottom line is, do you think that this is going to change? Probably not enough, but like maybe we'll get a little bit of change. Maybe we'll get some kind of little extra options or ability to look at a purchase history or something. Um, but I feel like, I feel like no matter what, Nintendo's going to have to drag kicking and screaming in the 21st century when it comes to the online security or, or account security. And um, it'll probably take a breach bigger than this to do that. So look forward to that. I guess. <laughs> now, Mitch, you're younger than Matt and I. And Matt, went, Matt and I went through most of our lives where something like this isn't even an issue because there weren't, the internet didn't even <laughs> exist. Although I did get my bike stolen a few times. So, you know, some yeah. things never change. <laughs> So, Mitch, as somebody who's grown up with data breaches just being a part of life for your entire life, how do you look at them? Um, just accept it, honestly. Like, there's nothing you can really do. Like, it's not like well, you I can, can stop using products that don't protect your data. I yeah, I could, uh, and that is an option. But a lot of the times, these data breaches happen to things that are essential products. A lot of the time, like, true. Uh, like <laughs> Nintendo Switch. Am I going to stop using my Nintendo Switch? Like, how could I do Sifted if I not use my Switch yeah, anymore? Yeah, but, but, but that's you. Yeah, correct. <laughs> You're but, a part of a very, very small percentage of people who actually like do something in gaming for a living. No, look at, I look at it from the perspective of your fellow gamers that are around your age. And, and no, I totally get it. And I think you know, I you just have to weigh out the risk and the reward. Is if you know, no matter what, I think nowadays I have in the mindset of my data is out there. Like someone could easily capture my data for if one mistake happens somewhere because I have a credit card, I have uh, my taxes, I I have so many things where my data is stored somewhere that it's to the point where I'd have to cut myself off from the world if I wanted to be worried about my data getting out there. It's just you just have to be 
smart. And when something like this comes out, you do your due diligence of checking out to make sure, was it me? Is my data corrupt? Is my data the one that got captured? And if so, what do I need to do to fix it? Because at the moment, the world, the way the world is, you can't hide from it. Yeah. And to, to your point about the cost benefit analysis, you were saying, you know, people need to figure out if it's worth the risk. I think Nintendo is in a position where it's not <laughs> because it's online stuff is so bad and it's games is so few of its games have online play that I could honestly see an adult looking at that and being like, you know what? It's not worth it. Like I hardly ever play any games online. They, I can't rent movies or television shows on switch online. I don't use it for that. I only use it for playing Splatoon or playing Smash Brothers online. I don't play those anymore. I could actually see it affecting Nintendo's bottom line. Whereas the other guys, no, definitely not. I mean, my main complaint right now is like, you need to streamline the online thing in Animal Crossing like yesterday. Like, yeah. It's I so archaic. It's like, crazy. You it's like, you want, oh, do you want to <laughs> fly somewhere? Yeah, where do you want to fly? I want to fly here. What, what, what do you want to do? Where, what kind of flying place do you want to go? I want to go to online thing. Was, okay, you want to go to do that with a, with a Dodo code? You wanna, I want to search. With, okay, well, we have to go on the internet. Okay, go on the internet. Okay, we're searching on the internet. I'm just like, just give me one. Give me a list of like I want to go here. I want to here, 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 here. Da da da. Like sign me up. It's like it's crazy how long it takes just to get to someone's island, and then like you get there and people have to. You have to wait for anyone to load in, and you have to. I mean, wait the loading in that game is terrible anyway. It's, like when you I'm first like, boot it up, it takes like eight minutes before you start playing it's just the astounding. game. Astounding! It's just it really it, is. It blows my mind how how like. People can live join online games since like the '97. Like, and I'm sitting here like, like everyone has to freeze in place during Animal Crossing while somebody loads in and somebody's out. I was like, "What are you doing?" Like, I mean, it's just it's the result of them not doing anything for a really, really long time. Well, everybody else some, got through. I've this also done some of the, the turnip code things where you go find someone like Twitter that has like a, a high turnip price and they give you a code and you log in. and you get going like the, the website that puts you in line and then you get the dodo code and you line up. And like, I was like, why are people taking like 30 minutes to go and sell it? And you're taking 30 minutes because it takes forever for everybody to load in, load out, load. I mean, yeah. one time it took me 20 minutes to get from the airport to the store on the island because it kept stopping and reloading people or loading people in or loading people out. Like it, it took forever because of that. It's a astoundingly bad. It's, it's like put together with like bubble gum. And, and they like, charge <laughs> for that. I know. You have to have a, a functioning account for that. Yeah. It's right. Good. So to my point that Mitch was making, like yeah. I feel like a lot of people may look at this and be like, you know what? It's not worth it. Like I'm not getting enough good out of this from Nintendo for that. I mean, day. I got 2.5 million bells out of it, but it took a while. <laughs> and now the only thing so I'll say you, to that to it. add to yours is that, you know, to be truthfully honest, I pair up with a friend. So I'm paying like 10 bucks a year for the thing. So it's like yeah. even cheaper. So I'm not really, it's so, so Wait a minute. How does that the, work, Mitch? Can you I'll both be on at the same time? Uh, I will tell you off stream. <laughs> no, you. Get, I mean, you already brought it up on stream. Uh, well, it's just you can have a family account, and so he. Ah. I'm under his family branch, mm. and gotcha. so then therefore we split the costs. My friend and I do this for almost everything: our TV service. Like millennials I, are big. Really? On TV. Yeah, we we split services all the time. My friend has wow. to pretend I'm still in Minnesota, so I can get my TV, YouTube TV. Because he logs into my account, goes on uh, Wi-Fi to show he's in Minnesota still, and it's just saying I'm on vacation. I was so. trying to do that with View, uh, PlayStation View, because I have family members who live in Pittsburgh, 
And I was trying to sign up with View with their mailing address so that I could then watch local Pittsburgh sports on View because they just look at the the zip code of your billing address. Correct. Um, and then yep. I ended up not getting View at all. But yeah, I, I was working on it. And my sister was like, I don't know if I want to do that or not. I was like, it's not a big deal. And she's like, I don't know. So I don't know if she would have done it ultimately anyway. But I, I know what you're talking about because I was trying to do that for View just so I could see Pittsburgh sports. Yeah, and I would just say, like, Nintendo, I'm not, I'm also, like, Karma, not surprised this happened to Nintendo, because they're always They've behind the eight ball. They've been asking for it. Yeah. They're, they're always behind the eight ball with everything with modern technology. You're like, mm-hmm. they're, like, still trying to do motion controls, and it's like, we are way past that, guys. Like, let's get, let's get into the modern age of video games here. And there also wasn't this breach because they were like, it wasn't really someone attacked them. They were just leaving the information exposed. Really. It was a lot like the E3 leak basically. It was just negligence. Yep. So anyway, y'all need to reconsider, you know, if Nintendo is not going to handle your data correctly, are you really using Nintendo online? I'm not. I hardly ever use it. You still need to have that account to buy stuff on the store. No, you're right. It doesn't matter if you're, paying for if you're online, subscribing so you still have your account one way or the yeah. other i mean if you want to buy stuff online a lot of people you know yeah i mean you don't necessarily have to have a, a credit card on there you could you know could just have nothing on there and load it up with uh gift card points or whatever i mean there's ways around it without having your own i mean you still got you still got your address and you know, they didn't get your credit card number they got your address and all that stuff it's a really a shame they make such great video games <laughs> Yeah, it'd be pretty. It'd be pretty easy to just sort of like step away from them if they made a lesser quality product. Yep, but their games are so damn good that I'll put up with a lot of crap to play them, and I have been for a long yeah. time. I, mean, <laughs> I like, really I'm have. Like, oh, well, you step away from the Switch. I mean, I guess I might stop playing the Switch, but not not in the month that Xenoblade Chronicles yeah. is coming out. Yeah, know, like, I mean, they're forcing me to spend three or four hundred bucks every four or five years to buy their console yeah. just to play their games. You can talk to me in July. Maybe I'll, I'll stop playing yeah. for a couple months. Also, I forgot to mention, uh, Vincent let me know that actually you can look at your transaction history. There is a URL Mm -hmm. that you can use. It's like transactions or my account or something like that. It's in chat. I missed it. It's hidden rather well. Well, I'll say this. I read four different stories about this, um, and they all said that that was the case. And then I went to confirm. I went on myself on my Switch, and I could not find it. So maybe it's there. But it it's might only be on the website. You have to go on the Maybe. website. It's not oh, on. Well, there you go. Switch. I mean, it's yeah, that's not good enough. It needs to be on the switch. That's where you make the who goes on the website to make purchases. You don't you do it on your switch. I only went so, on the website to fix the account. Yeah. I mean, that's the only reason I would go is if there's a problem with like two step or whatever that I need to fix. Everyone's going to use Nintendo's online functionality on the console. And it's if it's there, I couldn't find it. So I love that they use Google Authenticator. For that. Right, like it's yeah. not even like a, it's not even part of the Nintendo app. It's just like yeah, I just use the Google thing. Matt, right. that's probably for the best. Probably best. <laughs> Let's yeah, just be honest. So anyway, just some things to consider. You know, a lot of people are buying Switches right now. Um, they're sold out everywhere. My sister and her husband have been trying to find one for their kids for weeks. Uh, he ended up buying one on eBay yesterday for four hundred and fifty dollars. That's what they're wow. going for right now. Um, but he got one. Um, well, I was gonna say I found two at Target. Did you? Yeah, they're the the light. They're not the original. No, the lights are yeah, easy. Yeah. The lights are easy to find. Around. It's the console that's hard to find. Uh, so he paid four fifty on eBay for it yesterday, and he actually got a deal. Like the auctions were finishing at like four seventy seven, four eighty, and he just did buy it now for four fifty and got it. 
Um, so there's a lot of people out there looking for switches right now and just something that they should consider as they buy that switch and decide whether they want to put their credit card into Nintendo's system. So I think mm-hmm. it's something people should seriously consider. Uh, time now for our last topic of episode, episode 209. We're definitely talking about the biggest release of the week, and that is Gears Tactics. I think a lot of people were confused, myself included, uh, about the fact that this game was not released for Xbox One today. It is only releasing for PC today. Yeah, I um, was a little, I was confused by that. And also, like, I was looking for it because I was like, oh, that comes out, right? So I, I yeah. should look, go looking for it. I went and looked for it last night. It was, it was okay, so maybe it's going up tomorrow morning because then I saw, the, okay, so it's going up like, like 9 a.m. or something Pacific time. Or, okay, cool. I looked at it again this morning. I'm like, it's not, it's not even on the store. Like, yeah. it's not, like, you look for Gears Tactics on the Xbox One store. It's not there. Like, there's, there's no, no product. Yeah. There's no nothing. It's like, it doesn't <laughs> exist. And I'm like, that's yeah. bizarre. Like, what? It, it is bizarre. So by um, the time I realized that, it was too late to get, to get, you know, and I can't, I can't even download it now because I take the, I take the, the Ethernet out of the PC and plug it into the, the laptop now for the, for the stream. So here's a pro tip for everybody right now. Um, if you have a PC that can play games, you have a decent graphics card and RAM, and all that, you General can play. Ram. Yeah. Um, your Xbox Game Pass subscription will not give you access to this game because there are separate charges for the PC version of Xbox Game Pass and the Xbox One version of Xbox Game Pass. But the good news is, if you want to play Gears Tactics right now, you can sign up for the PC version of Xbox Game Pass for $1 right now. It's normally $5 a month, but right now it's on sale for $1 per month. So if you want to play this game, you can literally spend a dollar to play Gears Tactics, but you will have to download the Xbox client for your PC and then go to xbox.com and subscribe to the PC version of Game Pass and then reopen the Xbox app on your PC. It will connect the dots and you will have access to download Gears Tactics. But I'm, a lot of people thought it was coming out for Xbox One and PC today. That is not the case. All we know about the Xbox One version right now is that it is coming sometime this year. And my guess is Q4 fall probably is when the Xbox Worm version will launch. Maybe the end other, of summer. I can see end of summer. Possible. The other angle to this is that um, the developer of this, it's not the Coalition. It is Splash Damage. Splash Damage first made its name with Enemy Territory Quake Wars. It then went on to, as Matt pointed out before we started the show, they became kind of a multiplayer shooter developer for hire for quite a while. Uh, They they did ID's multiplayer for a while. They did Return to Castle Wolfenstein and Enemy Territory Wolfenstein. And then then they did uh, Doom 3's multiplayer. And then they did Enemy Territory Quake Wars, which put them really on the map as their own entity. And they made Brink. Brink for Bethesda, right? Yeah, I think that was a Bethesda game. Yeah, yeah well, Bethesda published game. Yeah. Maybe yep. the, between that and Wet, some of the earliest, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Bethesda publications. Yeah, but so these guys have really kind of cut their teeth working on PC, mm-hmm. and so it's a it's natural that the studio that has worked most of its history on PC would release a PC version of one of its games. And they continued. I mean, they did Gears 5's multiplayer. They did the PC version of Halo Master Chief Collection. Like, that's their thing. Bread and butter is first-person shooters. Yep. And so it is available now on uh, for PC. I don't know if it's on... 
Steam. I'm not 100% is. sure. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I've seen it there. Yeah. I got it from the Xbox store. And so I'm launching it from the Xbox app. And I will say this, it's got a lot better since the last time I used it. Uh, I hadn't updated it in literally years until, until I started playing Gears Tactics. And last time I used it, it was a piece of junk. And now it's way, way better. So uh, it sounds like you can get it from Steam anyway, but if you prefer to just buy it from the source, it's not the terrible experience that it was before. Um, I am the only one in this conversation who's played it, I believe. I know Matt didn't. Mitch, have you played it at all? No, I don't have a good enough PC. Okay, so I'm the only one who's played it. I've played, I don't know, I'm guessing six hours of it at this point. Uh, It doesn't look like it's anywhere near being done. Like, it doesn't even seem like I'm halfway through the game at this point. So it looks like it's a big, big game. Now... Playtime with this game is going to vary wildly because it's turn-based and you can just sit there and take forever to take your turn if you really want to think about it. So it's hard to really, with with this genre, it's hard to come up with a playtime that's going to work for everybody. But as someone who has played all the XCOMs, except for Chimera Squad, which just came out, um, I can tell that for most people, it's going to be a pretty big game. Um, So as I said, it is a lot like XCOM. It is a an isometric turn-based strategy game. And it's set in the Gears of War universe, as you might expect. And that comes with all the trimmings. So you get all the creatures from the Gears of War franchise. You don't get a lot of the more popular characters. Um, now these are new people. I mean, this is Kate's father, right? Yep. Yep. Kate from Gears 5, her four father. Five. Yeah, 4 and 5. Her father uh, is the lead character in this game. And so you don't see like Dom traipsing around or Marcus or really any of the characters. I think, that Do- I think Marcus is in prison. Uh, right. This. That's, that's this, true, this actually. Pre Gears 1. Yep. This is a prequel to the first Gears of War. So it kind of sets the stage for what ultimately ends up happening in all the games that we played so far. Um, now, we'll say this. The. At least what I've played so far, the plot is a huge part of the game. Um, and with XCOM, if you've ever played that series, the plot's there, and it's pretty good. But the storytelling is usually just handled kind of in static screens, and there's a lot of reading to be done. This game's story is all told with elaborate and really impressive, fully animated cutscenes, just as if it were Gear 6. Um, I've been really surprised by that because this genre typically is a niche genre. Uh, You're not going to sell 15 million copies of any game in this genre, no matter how good it is. So if you're a developer working on games of that type, you're almost a fool to spend a lot of resources and time and money on the presentation the way that it has been for Gears Tactics. I mean, when you're playing it, after you're away from the combat screen, if you walked into a room and were just watching the cinematics, you just think it was a new Gears game. That's how much uh, money they've dedicated to it. Now, Plot's not going to win any awards or anything. It's Gears. Um, and so if you played Gears of War games, you know what the plots are like. They, they tend to have a couple mo- moments where you're like, hmm, okay, that's kind of cool. And then the rest of it is just ham-fisted bro garbage. And that's the plot in this as well. There's a um, giant worm. Right, <laughs> giant worm. So it's very similar. It's, it's, it is very meatheadish um, as far as a lot of the, the writing and the stuff that gets them bent out of shape and, gets them, and makes them worried. 
it's it's very surface. It's not a deep story that's going to make you cry, is what I'm getting at. But you don't want that from a Gears game, no. anyway. That's not what you. Tom's not going to find his wife in this one. Huh? No, he, oh, they they did actually try to make us cry a couple times. You're right. Now that yeah. I think about it, they attempted it. Yep. Uh, but anyway, the plot you're it follows Gabe Diaz again, the the father of Kate from the last two games. Um, he's a former soldier working in the Cog Motor Pool. Uh, it follows the events of Gears of War. Uh, Bloodlines, which was like a novel, which I, again, I never read books based on video games. I just don't. So I don't know how I read, it comes I read out the old Halo novels, and that was pretty much enough for me yeah. in terms of video game novelizations. Thank you. And the whole objective of the game is you're trying to kill a locust scientist. And it's this cat and mouse chase through the whole game as you try Who to kill. Who knew locusts it? even had scientists? I know. <laughs> Revel revelations. Yep. Uh, the campaign itself is linear. Uh, there's no multiplayer, which may bum out a lot of people who really like this genre. You can't go head to head with someone. And the, the game is completely linear. There's no latitude to go, although there are side missions, there's no latitude to pick and choose whether you want to do them or not, or the order you do them in or not. They're called side missions, but you can't continue with the campaign unless you complete them. So really, they're just crappy campaign missions. And one thing I have noticed in only my six hours or whatever I've played is some of those missions are already starting to repeat. So, and you have to play them. You can't skip them. So they're not side missions. They call them that, but they're really just smaller missions that you still have to complete to ultimately finish the game. Um, but even like the level design, there aren't branching paths where you can choose to go one way or another. You can choose your way across each map as far as how you navigate uh, the uh, the objects on the map. And it is still cover-based. It is a cover-based game. And all those rules apply. And a big part of the game is figuring out how to flank and get be better angles on enemies because they also use the cover. Uh, a big mechanic in the game is called Overwatch. And it's not related to Blizzard Shooter, but it is something that's in all these games. And basically what it means is you have three turns initially for each character in your party. And you can do whatever you want with those. You can use one of your moves to actually move. You can use one to reload and you can use your third to fire your gun. Um, and how you manage those, those three moves that you have every time will determine how you play in the game. Um, so with Overwatch, you can set it up for your last turn. And what it does is it posts up one of your characters and there's a cone of... There's a cone of influence that's like a V that comes out from your character. It's a lot like the passing cone from Madden from like four years ago or whatever. And so you can post up your, your character at cover, and then you, you assign this cone of influence to him. So when the, the, his turn ends and the enemy's turn starts, if they run into that cone of influence, you will attack them, and it won't take away any of your points from that character's next turn. And it is a huge huge part of the strategy in this game particularly with flanking and other things like that now the rub is the enemies do it too um and if if you have a sniper rifle your cone of influence obviously is a lot wider and a lot longer um if you have a shotgun it's very short but it's very powerful all of the tenets of shooters and gears of war comes into the gameplay which i think fans will appreciate but it also adds a nice strategic angle to the game but that's so very similar to XCOM. It is, but here's where the big diversion from XCOM comes. So 
other than the fact that it's way more story rich and the prose is more interesting and told in a, a way more compelling way, the way the game progresses is way different. So XCOM, and you can turn it off, but for most people who play XCOM, there's permadeath. And there's a huge element of base management and soldier management. And if one of your soldiers, you go out and he dies or she dies, you don't get him or her back. Again, you can turn it off, but most people don't play that way. In it's gear, kind of a hook of, of XCOM, It's a really. big part of it, yeah. In Gears Tactics, uh, a soldier, I haven't, I haven't figured out exactly how many times it is, but yet, but a soldier has to die many, many times before they're permanently taken off the battlefield. And even then, they're still not gone for good. But where it diverges from XCOM even more is the objectives during combat. So XCOM, basically the whole objective is kill all the enemies while taking as little damage as possible in the process. But the way it works in Gears tactic, Tactics is it's almost like a combo system. So you have, each character has those three moves that they can use per turn. And I'm guessing you get more as time goes on because you do get buffs that give you extra ones and things like that. But there are things that you can do in the game to give your team extra turns. So like I said, they've managed to get all the elements of gears into this, including executions. So you can down enemies, just like in the real Gears game. And once they're downed, a new option will pop up for each of your, of your party members to execute. And when you run in and you execute an enemy, it gives your entire team an extra move. And so what happens is, as you start to get good at the game, you start to strategize in different ways. You start to figure out, okay, how can I make sure that I finish with an execution so that I get the extra move points that, that I can then use to do another execution and so on and so forth. It turns into, it cascades, it turns into a daisy chain. And when you get it, it feels so good because you can literally, once you start getting good at it, you start understanding how things work, how the enemies move, what their capabilities are, uh, what the strengths and weaknesses are of your party members, you can literally start wiping out skirmishes without the enemy ever having another turn. And that's when you start to like get good at the game and you start to figure out what they're going for. And ultimately, it makes it feel like it plays completely different to XCOM. Um, the other part where it strays, now you do develop soldiers in this. It's nowhere near as extensive as it is in XCOM. And there's no base to develop at all. That was a big part of XCOM where you're, you're developing like people, scientists and things like that who can develop new technologies that you then take out into the field. It doesn't work that way in Gears Tactics. Instead, when you finish a mission, you get a loot box. And that loot box opens up and you get new armor and weapons for your party members. And then from there, you can customize. You know, I was actually pretty surprised by how extensive the customization options were for your soldiers. Um, there does not seem to be a whole lot of rhyme or reason as to which soldiers you can or cannot customize because there's some where they won't let you. I haven't quite figured out what that is. It might be that maybe either they're a part of the story or they're not. I'm not sure. But for the most part, you can customize pretty much every uh, party member in the game with all kinds of crazy crap. But you can also increase their abilities with the weapons and the armor. It gives them buffs. Some of the stuff will give them an extra turn. 
Um, and all that you have to take into account when you approach each skirmish. Uh, other cool things from Gears that are in this game. Uh, the emergence holes, where the enemies just come up out of the ground, out of nowhere. They're in the game. And just like in a real Gears game, you toss a grenade in the hole, and it seals the hole, and they don't come out of there anymore. All that stuff that you've learned and built from playing Gears in a weird kind of fun way will actually pay off while you're playing Gears Tactics. If you understand how the weapons and the universe and everything in Gears works and how it's all tied together, you have an advantage playing this game. Um, I've only really fought one boss in this game, and it was awesome. That is, again, something that you don't really get in XCOM. You have kind of boss encounters, but not like this, where you're fighting like a brumac, like a gigantic beast. It took me, I am not exaggerating, about 45 minutes to beat it. It's Chip City. Every attack just takes off a little pixel of health, and it's just this management thing. Like That is probably my biggest criticism of the game, is the boss fights. They take forever. I lost interest like halfway into it. I didn't even die. I never even died. The first boss I fought, fought I killed it the first time. Still took me 40-some minutes to beat it. Um, that, to me, was a really poor decision, and it doesn't match the rest of the game. The rest of the game, most enemies, if you're attacking them with the right weapon at the right distance and you know what you're doing, two shots and they're dead. That's pretty much how it works. And then they throw you against this boss that literally almost takes an hour to defeat. So it's just incongruent with the rest of the experience, I guess is what I'm getting at. It just stands out and seems weird. Um, what else do I got? Uh, the classes in the game, there's the support, vanguard, scout, sniper, and heavy. Uh, each class has, or each class, each class's skill tree has four branches. So again, you can really customize your soldiers and you can really get your custom, your, your soldiers to a place uh, to where you can kind of customize how you play your way through the game. Now, I will say this about Gears Tactics. To me, there doesn't seem to be as much replay value as you would, you would get out of XCOM. Um, because of the, the inflexibility in how you go through the campaign, because there's just one path through it, um, because of not as many customization options for your soldiers as you would get in XCOM, and because there is no base building and base management like there is in XCOM, you're taking away so many of the X factors and the variables from the formula that I, and I haven't finished it yet, but I can already see where my want to replay this afterwards is not going to be what it is with XCOM. Um, now, there are, I believe, four different difficulty settings. I'm playing on the middle one like I always do uh, before I evaluate a game. Um, and I'm sure that if you play those harder ones, like it'll probably take you longer and you'll have to think a little bit more before each turn. And maybe you can squeeze a little bit more playtime out of it, but... Ultimately, all the story beats are going to be the same. Most of the characters and your party members are going to end up being the same. And so there's not as much incentive to go back and give it another go. Um, and I think that's it. I think, you know, I've again, I've played it for six hours. We may come back and touch on it next week because Matt will probably play it this week. Maybe, well, I guess Mitch can. He doesn't have a PC. We'll probably come back to it as I spend a little bit more time. But uh, Mitch or Matt, do either of you guys have any questions for me about Gears Tactics? Uh, what about chat has one. Oh, go ahead, Matt. What about active reloading? No. As long as we're talking about gears nope. staples being brought into no, no, that's a no, good point. I didn't even realize that. that. Why did I know. Steal that? <laughs> I know. It's such a good gameplay concept. 
Yeah, and the, I mean, the weird thing, too, is that there is reloading in the game. It's a thing, but it's a. I think the problem is it's a turn-based thing. Yeah, because I think you don't want a Twitch element in there, really, but like... It, it just doesn't make sense for it because you have as long as you want to take your turn. It would have been cool, though, if they had figured out some way to work it into it, but it's it's not in there. That was but you do have question, to, so... You do have to spend that. a turn to reload, though, and that works into your strategy. Uh, and the, the game... In general, like the interface for the game is a little confusing, but they do a really good job of walking you through the first couple missions, like literally telling you exactly what to do and highlighting and flashing the exact icon that you need to click. And by the time you get through the first couple missions, you pretty much have it under control. But I'll say this, like if they just handed me the game and said, start playing it, it would have been really bumpy. Because the interfaces are a little confusing and the locations and stuff on the screen, the HUD's a little weird. Um, but they do do a great job of kind of training you up as you play the game uh, to get better at it. But not ideal. I think they could have done a better job with the interface. I don't know how much of that is tied into the fact that this is also going to be a console game. Um, but it seems to me that they could create a separate HUD for the console version if they wanted to without having to spend a ton of time on it. So that's a little weird. Um, any other questions you guys got? I had two. You kind of answered my one of saying it's they probably have to change some stuff to make it console to make it work on a console. Um, do you think it's a good entry point for people that have not played the genre? Good question. Yes. Yeah. I, in fact, I wanted to bring this up. So thank you for asking that. It is. It is way. This is my first turn-based strategy game. Um, it's not dumb, and it won't insult your intelligence if you've played a lot of these games, but it eases you in way more than XCOM does. And just the fact that there are, it's a memorable setting, uh, it's memorable lore, a lot of people are going to already know what a Lancer is, or a Chainsaw Bayonet is, or what an Emergence Hole is, that just gives you a leg up on it as well. But it, yes, the way that it's designed, the fact that there's really not permadeath, there's so many ways that they've kind of nerfed the formula to make it more appealing to casual players. So absolutely. Uh, if you've been looking at this genre and you're like, man, everyone talks about XCOM, but I watch a trailer for it and I just not, I'm not feeling it. Like check this one out because this is the game that will kind of be the Trojan horse to get your foot in the door for the genre. And then once you kind of get it, then you'll start understanding why people love XCOM so much because you'll see that a lot of the things that are missing from Gears Tactics are included in XCOM and do create, I would argue, a deeper, richer experience in a lot of ways. But it is a, a Gears-based strategy game. Uh, I think making it hardcore like an XCOM probably wouldn't make sense because of the existing audience for Gears of War. So yes, this is the gateway game for people who have been trying to look into the uh, turn-based strategy genre for sure. I did look it up as well. It is about 25 to 30 hours, depending oh, on God. difficulty and depending <laughs> oh, on gosh. how much time you take per turn. Well, I was right then, wasn't I? <laughs> Holy moly. I'm only, I'm only a quarter of the way through, people. So there you go. It definitely worthy of a purchase. Uh, then do you, have, do you have another question still, Mitch? No, you answered them both. Oh, okay. Great. What about you, Kyle? You got anything you want to ask me? Not really. Um, I feel like my questions will be answered once I finally play it for the most part. Yeah. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. I am absolutely going to keep playing it. I'm still trudging forward on Final Fantasy VII. So I did find out that did I you went. Save your save or. I went back to an old save. I just bit the yeah. bullet. 
And I went back about 40 minutes Dude, from before I had saved. You know if you actually want to do a spoiled on that with enough time. Because I will go back and like power through the rest of it, but I ain't going to choose to play that anytime <laughs> soon. So you're going to need to order me into the okay. trash for that one. <laughs> but anyway, that's Gears Tactics. Matt's going to play it over the next week, and uh, I'll hopefully have finished it by next week. Yeah, we'll I'll play that, the new XCOM as well. I just hadn't... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's the other thing we should actually bring up, and I'm glad Matt mentioned that. Uh, XCOM Chimera Squad also released this week and it is ten dollars now for now for now yeah it's a special deal right now where you can get it for 10 bucks and i think it lasts until like may 1st or something may May 1st sounds right yeah yeah so you have a limited window to get that game for 10 bucks and if you are a fan of this genre already and you know what you're getting into and you love xcom i will say this it would be hard for me to recommend gears tactics over chimera squad because it's cheaper and if you're a veteran, you're probably going to want those deeper features that XCOM provides. Unless you're paying uh, $1 a month. Right. Well, case. that's true. $1 for Gears Tactics is pretty hard to beat. That's a, that's a fair point. Uh, but, um, yeah, so uh, you might want to consider Chimera Squad. That also came out this week, and it's I think it's also just for PC right now, too, though. I don't think it came out for consoles yet. Um, so if you're looking for some turn-based strategy on PC, you have a plethora of options, and if you're just getting into it, I recommend Gears Tactics. If you're a veteran, I recommend uh, XCOM Chimera Squad. There you go. It's time for Q&A. Let's see what we got going on here. Before you start Um, the Q&A, JMRain99 gave five tier one subs. What? What's the the name again? Uh, JMRain99. JM Rain 99. Thank you very much, brother. I also saw a ton of people uh, did Twitch Prime when the show started, but as usual, my chat is cut off and I can't go all the way back to the beginning. If you guys, and we've said this before, but if you guys are going to watch the show all the way to the end and you know you're going to be able to, save it till the end, uh, your Twitch Prime, because I really want to thank you guys personally for it. Um, But unfortunately, the way Twitch uh, chat works, once it gets to a certain point, it cuts off because it only keeps so much at once. And so I can't go back and see who subscribed that way. And I want to. I want to thank you guys for it. So for for the future, if you guys can remember uh, to wait until the Q&A to subscribe with Twitch Prime, that would be awesome. It would make me feel better because I want to thank you guys. Um, And as always, if you want a question answered, go at Sifted Games in the chat. It makes it much easier for us to kind of pluck questions out of all the other stuff in there. Um, Congrim1... I think he's asking, is it similar to Fire Emblem or Final Fantasy Tactics? And I guess he's asking about Gears Tactics. Uh, ooh. Hmm. I'd say kind of neither. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's why I was struggling to answer. <laughs> it's like, yeah. The XCOM model is sort of its own thing. Yeah. You, you really have to just try it. I mean, what I would really recommend is XCOM is always a part of like humble bundles, or mm-hmm. a lot of times it's a part of like free games with gold or PlayStation or, Plus free games. Or go check out like one of the really cheap older games like uh, you can get on GOG or whatever, like uh, Jagged Alliance yeah. or um, Silent Storm. Like they're similar yeah. ideas. These are so damn cheap, though. Like, literally a dollar you can play this. Yeah. This is what you should do. You should try this one. Because if you don't like this one, you're never going to like XCOM. Guarantee you that. So spend the dollar, get Xbox Game Pass for PC for a month, and I'll, another pro tip, as soon as you do that, go back in and set off recurring payments so that you only pay for the one month. You know you're going to finish this in a month. 
turn them off. That way you're not caught off guard and you're charged the $5. It happens to all of us. We all do this. We sign up for a free trial. We're like, I'll go back and turn that off. We forget. And then you're not reminded until you see your credit card bill. You're like, wait a minute, where's all oh, that's right. I signed up for that thing and now I'm getting charged for it. So the good thing with the way they have it set up for on Xbox for PC is you can literally just go right back and then select turn off recurring payments. And that is what I recommend that you do. Uh, next from ETH Demon. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 got an 18 plus in Brazil and CD Projekt Red said they are fully embracing it. Could this end up being banned in places like Germany? I don't, I'm not familiar with Brazil's rating system. Is that like an AO for the US? Yeah, nope. I don't know. Maybe he can uh, clarify. Let's, let's function on the presumption that it is the same thing as AO. Um, I mean, standards for that kind of thing very country to country. Um, Germany is really only hard up about violence. And um, Nazi stuff. Nazi stuff. I don't see a whole lot of Nazi stuff happening. I mean, maybe. Cyberpunk stuff, you, know, you never know. Yeah. Um, it, but is also like, it is AO. It is AO. Yes. Okay. Did they, uh, what for? Uh, UK and Ireland. Yeah, but what, what? did they say why Brazil gave it? No, they just say 18 is AO in UK and Ireland. Hmm. So there could be some really crazy crap in this game <laughs> to get Which an I AO. Be surprised, yeah. I mean, The Witcher Three went some interesting places too. I mean, I yeah. you know, there's a moment where you're escorting the, you know, the, the bloody ghost of a dead fetus. Yeah. Down the, down the road. <laughs> yeah. um, didn't expect yeah. to see that coming, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what what kind of you know if it gets an AO here. We're talking about a very different world. Um, then you're talking about money. Then you're yeah. worried about. Well, they're talking about it's not going to be sold in Walmart. That's right. the problem. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. I'd, could it be banned? Yeah, it could be banned in Germany. It absolutely could. Like, they're not cool with, like, really crazy gore, and they're not cool with Nazis. Um, I don't know if this could be just a sexual thing. Like, who knows? It could just be, like, full frontal nudity or something that's getting it's a rating. Of, yeah, the same. I mean, Brazil, there's literally, Brazil, you know, the term for shaving all your pubic hair off is literally the brazilian i mean that's it, true it, it shouldn't be <laughs> all are, that. yeah you're right they are very open sexually i would guess I mean, this is a violence thing i mean no one wears a top at the beach in brazil so mm. yeah chances are it's not it's probably related to violence it, yeah if, if, if it's rated ao somewhere other than america it's violence yep uh let's go i don't know probably, i don't know if they'd be able to do like a green blood mod for cyborg blood i don't know yep i mean they've done that for resident evil yeah true they, I mean, they turn blood green all the time in Germany. It's their go-to. It's their fallback. I, was, I mean, you know, CD Projekt Red must be aware of what Germany's standards are. They're right next to them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think... I think they would alter the game if they had to, to make sure that it wouldn't yeah. be banned. Making a Germany, making a German version of things is not a new... It's really not, sadly. Uh, next question from Call of Duty 1. Do you think the addition of co-op in Horizon 2 could potentially be a detriment to the gameplay and story? Uh, we actually did kind of talk about this already. I expressed that I felt like it could actually improve it because you could work together for the hunting and the trapping part of the game. But I think, mm -hmm. Matt, you kind of had a, an area where maybe it wouldn't work great. I mean, No, I think it'll work. I just don't intend to play it that way. Um, I'd rather play this play... I'd rather play my open-world story-driven game solo um, as long as it doesn't, like force me to do it i'm fine i just you know my, my only time the only time co-op has ever really impacted my 
single player experience negatively is uh, I think the the your partner in uh, Resident Evil Five is garbage. Yeah. Um, so like, as long as it's not that bad, and I don't see why it would be because Gorilla is a very talented team. Like, I'm not too worried about it. Yep. Okay. Uh, next from Congrim One. Speculative, yet could services like Xbox Game Pass be a detriment to game development in the long run? The push for new content must have a negative effect with examples such as Crackdown 3, Sea of Thieves, and State of Decay 2. Those games should have been much better with the resources at their disposal, but were perhaps shorter or shortened the time, shorter the time to execute. Uh, if you read some interviews with the people who worked on Gears Tactics, they will tell you, and in fact, the coalition said this that Xbox Game Pass is what made the PC version of it possible. Um, so I guess just like with just about anything in life, there's a yin and there's a yang to it. There's a good good side to it and there's a bad side to it. Um, I do hear what you're saying, though. I think what you're getting at is that you feel like it's given Microsoft the ability to release unfinished games because the expectations are lower on that platform. I get that, and I could agree with that. I think that that there may be some truth to that, but I would also argue that the games that you listed probably weren't headed towards Game of the Year territory anyway. So I would look at it like maybe it's an opportunity for Microsoft to cut bait on something without completely bailing on it. And so if there are fans who have built up an interest in that product throughout its marketing cycle, that they're not completely left out in the cold and they're still able to experience it. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. I don't, um, I have never talked to a developer that had a bad thing to say about Game Pass. Yep, um, they love it. Even the indie ones who are basically like, yeah, they paid us way more money than we expected to make total just to put it on Game Pass, so we were fine with it. Um, and they've never heard anything about, you know, it's cool if it's not done yet. Or I mean, I, yeah, State of K2 kind of was like that, but like that's just sort of, how that developer rolls like it's like you know state of decay one was like that too and there was no game pass yep. with it so um yeah i don't i don't think that's really a factor um uh like especially I think the questions it, more towards the expectation of the consumer needing to have games available many games available each month you need something new that it forces them to push it out way too soon um, because I don't they, think they're like, we have to fill think, our quota. I just don't think we see any evidence of that yet. I don't either. I, at the moment, yeah, I would agree. We don't see anything like that. Is there a potential of that? It could, especially with them buying these many you studios. You would have to be real but Hopefully they don't do that, you know? Well, you we hit the corona hole yeah. here in about like 18 months where we see that there's no TV, there's no movies, there's no video games because everyone had to lock down for like seven months. Then I think maybe you could see it, but until then, I doubt it. No, I don't. I don't think the, the the keeping the perception of Game Pass as a value like it would make no sense to adopt that tactic. Like I understand why you want to assume everything a publisher does is a money grubbing scheme, but there's a point at which perception matters and optics matter, and if they, if the game's being pushed out on on Game Pass as like the big flagship games are turn, starting to turn out broken, like you're not going to keep subscriptions like, like that way. So uh, no, I, 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 until that happens, I think it's a non-issue. Next question from Shaniki Shalid Shanake. If you're going to be posting about Last of Us, can we limit what pictures the curators use? No spoilery things. Uh, 
we're very cognizant of the thumbnails we use for everything. In fact, you guys don't even know half the stuff we do for you guys. <laughs> like we, we replace thumbnails all the time that are crappy thumbnails. Uh, another thing that sites like to do that we help you guys with is they'll write a headline and say, hey, you won't believe this thing. And then they'll intentionally not put the thing in the thumbnail to make you click. Well, we will go in and we'll grab an image of the thing and we'll put that in the thumbnail. Thumbnails are very, very important to us and we think about them constantly. So I'm surprised to see this because I personally have not curated any spoilery thumbnails for The Last of Us. I haven't seen any on the site. Um, I'm not sure what you're talking about, but I do want to let you know that it is something that we take very, very seriously. Spoilers in general are something that we take very, very seriously. Any article that we curate that will have spoilers in it, we will put spoilers in all capital letters in the blurb every time. So <clears throat> I don't know for sure if maybe we dropped the ball here in one case, but I think if you go look at the game page for The Last of Us Part 2, there's literally probably 300 pieces of content on that page at this point. There may be one thumbnail that is spoilery. I, I think there are none, but there may be one specific case that you're talking about that slipped through the cracks. So I think, I think I, he's I just, I think he's just being paranoid. Or are you just being proactive? Is, yeah, yeah, saying, like, proactive. Like, don't do I don't it. think he's saying uh, okay. that we've done anything in any capacity uh, okay. to spoil Yeah, I think it's more think, of a like, hey, please don't, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, bro, we won't we never decide do that it's I think like, don't decide like just to do it because everyone else is doing it. Oh, oh. I think he's kind of new to the site, so I'll give him a pass. He doesn't quite know how things work. We take it very seriously, man. We take spoilers very, very seriously. Uh, we take keeping your experience with each game as pure as possible very, very seriously. So I think as you spend more time on the site, uh, you'll start to realize that we're always looking out for you guys. Always. Uh, here's a good one. What's the weirdest thing that has happened to you during quarantine? Matt, you go first. Nothing weird has happened during quarantine. That's really? Yeah. You're lucky. I have like 20 things that have happened that are crazy. Uh, have you not been gone to stores or anything? Have you not gone to stores very much? I mean, a couple of times. I went, I went yesterday and I went like 12 days before that. Like I'm not, I'm not going out much. So. Oh, we go. I mean, I'll, I'll hate to say it. It's a very quiet area. Yeah. We go to the store a lot because it's like we'll go to make dinner and we'll be like, oh, we have one thing that we don't have. And uh, I have seen some crazy crap. What about you, Mitch? Other than your bike getting stolen inside a locked garage, locked to a bike cage. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. pretty weird. I mean, I've seen two ladies fight over toilet paper, but my absolute favorite weirdest thing I've ever saw was I went to go buy some, I was like, I'll get some frozen pizza. Might as well. Everything was gone except DiGiorno. It was like full. And so I had to like take a double think and go, is there some beef with DiGiorno that I just don't know about here? You want to like, come in and like cough all over these? Yeah, like so I was just like, oh, I'll have to look this up. And there was no beef with DiGiorno to my knowledge. So I yeah. got them, but I was just like, what was going on here? It was like but, the, the Dasani thing where no one would buy Dasani water. Yeah. Because apparently it tastes bad, which is... Was tap water. Of course. Coca-Cola admitted it was just tap water. A lot of stuff is just tap water. I've had Dasani on sets and stuff, and it's just, it yeah. doesn't taste any different from anything else. I don't... Just if, like, if you think the end of the world is coming, you're getting a bit picky about your bottled water. That's fucking hilarious. Like, <laughs> there's some nice stuff in the SNL, uh, the, the local grocery store ad that they did on the SNL this past weekend that like, got into the Dasani thing. It was It's very funny. 
Interesting. I've seen so much crazy crap. I have seen at least five people completely lose their crap at the grocery store. Um, I saw my wife and I were standing in the frozen aisle on the left side of the aisle. And there was a woman on the left side of the aisle. And we're trying to keep our distance. So we're all the way over here. She's all the way over there. And some dude just comes charging up in between us. And the woman trying to be nice said something nice about his mask. She goes, oh, I like that mask. And he turned around and he goes, what did you say, lady? <laughs> she goes, I said I liked your mask. He goes, I don't give a shit. And he just walked away. Like, <laughs> I have seen stuff like this five times at least. Today, driving over to the studio. So what happens on show days is, well, the night before, I go in and I set everything up for Mitch. And I clean. I scrub down the entire studio. And it sucks. But it's what we got to do. And then the next morning, I get up and I just get everything ready. Like, I get all the graphics ready. I get all the B-roll ready. And then I drive over there and I upload and load the TriCaster with all the stuff get it all ready, and then I leave, and then I text Mitch, and I tell him that the coast is clear and that he can go to the studio so he can run the TriCaster. Well, on the way over there today to drop off the stuff, I saw some dude trying to use a bike rack on the the sidewalk as, like, an exercise, like, (laughs) equipment. (laughs) And he was doing, like, pull-ups for, like, two inches. And then he was uh, like, okay, so I had one thing like that. So yesterday I did go driving around because I hadn't left the house in 12 days. And I'm just like, I must see other sites. Other anything. (laughs) I drove out to Ventura and just drove past the beach down, down highway one and everything. And I didn't, I didn't like stop or anything because all the beaches are closed, but there were a lot of people like kind of on the side of the road that live in houses there. And like, they're kind of like jogging or running up and down. Yeah. Clearly they're locals. So I don't know if you've ever been over there near near the state beaches, but there's a lot of dumpsters for like people that dump all their trash when they're leaving from like having picnics or whatever, you know, wherever they're leaving the beach, they there's dumpsters where you come off the beach to just throw all your shit in. And there's a guy. So I drive by all every, every like hundred yards is another set of dumpsters. Right. And this guy in just wearing like short athletic shorts and like shoes, like just, you know, bare chest, everything. He's, he's, hanging on the dumpster with his leg, like legs hooked over the dumpster rim. So uh-huh. he's hanging upside down and doing sit-ups, <laughs> like hanging out of the Same dumpster deal. like that. And I was like, you really could, there's nowhere else you could. Uh-huh. All right. And it was like seagulls jumping into the dumpster and flying back out near him. And I'm like, okay, yeah. that dude's going to get his, his reps in and kills him or not. Hey, NFL players are chopping down trees right now to make a bench <laughs> press for themselves. Like, yeah, yeah people you gotta are do what you creative. gotta do. I mean, if you're physical body, your your well being and your all your money is dependent upon your body, you're gonna find a way to yeah, do it. I just promise you can find a fence somewhere. Yeah, something exactly. in a dumpster. Instead of the dumpster. Yeah, that's great. Uh, well, there's a lot of questions here. I, we're not gonna get to them all. I can tell you right now, but we'll get to a few more. Um, I noticed Mr. Kyle said on Sifted he had a TurboGrafx-16 Mini pre-ordered. Did he or any other sifter on the show have a TG-16 when it was fresh? If not, is the Mini appealing to any of you because it's it's an unknown system? I did have a TurboGrafx back in the day. Um, I, I split the cost of it with my friend Donald, and we, uh, we bought one. He kept it at his place because he had a better TV. And uh, so, yeah, I am. I have one on pre-order, uh, which uh, I got an email that said it was the shipment was delayed to January 2021. And, oh, really? Um, yeah, from Amazon. 
And uh, so I don't know when that thing is showing up. Maybe never at this point. They're too expensive, um, I think. How much was it? What? It was like 100 bucks? No, there are more than that, I think. Like almost 200, I thought. No, no, no. no. The pre-order, I, I mean, they're going for like 400 now. On the Japanese ones are going for a huge amount of money because they, they got delayed and people don't know if they're going to get one or not. But I would not have ordered it for that amount of money. There's no way. It was like 100 bucks, I think. Oh, then maybe um, back into it because I saw the price initially. Maybe they ended up dropping it when they released it or whatever. No, I, was a, I would never have pre ordered something for over 100 bucks like that. I don't think. No, I'm saying like they announced a price initially and then by the time they released it, it ended up being way cheaper than that. Hmm. I, I think the MSRP had to be like in line with the other micro con- other micro consoles, um, but like I ordered it just because I like the old T- TurboGrafx stuff, mm-hmm. um, and I'll support I'll support Ninja Spirit in whatever form it is. Um, but yeah, I don't I, I'm getting it because I had one back in the day. I don't know if it has a lot of appeal. If there's no nostalgia there, most of those, most of the games on that system were not phenomenal. Like there's a reason it's forgotten for the most part. There's like five games on there. They're probably like things you might want to play today. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's pure, pure nostalgia for me just cause it was one of the, one of the systems I had back then. Um, it's not something I would recommend is like, you know, to dive in, to see all these great, amazing games you've never seen. Cause there really aren't it. It's, it's like, it's like Moto Rotor and like Ninja Spirit and maybe a legendary axe. That's about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Legendary axe is even on it. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember the lineup. It's been a long time since I even paid attention to that thing. Yep, I, I have not ordered one, uh, but when Matt gets his, we'll make sure that we dedicate a segment to it on the show. Next year, apparently. Um, um, here's one from Emperor Dread. I don't know if we want to answer it or not, but I'll pose the question. From what you've played of the Final Fantasy VII remake, who do you like more in the age-old Tifa versus Aerith waifu war? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you could add Jesse to that mix, too, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't. If, if you're talking about which character I like the best, um, like I think, I think Tifa is the most improved because she's got a personality now in a way yeah. that that she didn't in the original game. Um, like I understand why she and Cloud are friends better in this. I don't know why anyone's friends with Cloud. He's a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Well. It, <laughs> Because he's hot, I guess. I don't know. The whole story about of the game is him unbecoming a douchebag. That's really I mean, what the story is. I mean, he's he's had a hard time, and um, <laughs> he's. I think he comes off as pretty legitimately someone who's been through something traumatic. Like I give that. Yeah, to, yeah. I mean, there's the flashbacks and all that crap. But the, the, I think the overall, like the overall, our overarching narrative of the game is incredibly poorly told, just because it's so much filler and so much nonsense. But like the actual character work is really good in a way that Square has not succeeded at in years like they clearly Nomura had a sense of who these characters are in a way that almost nobody else did and it works uh but I think Aerith is um funnier like I think she's she's got a she got a mouth on her and she's very funny and there's a I really like one bit where she like asks Cloud for permission to kill the guy who's talking to them yeah um but like like if if you're talking about someone I'd rather hang out with probably Aerith yeah Um, for me it's Tifa all the way I hate Aerith (laughs) like she is so annoying. Like she is so annoying that my wife has started to imitate her while I'm playing the game. Her voice is really high and really squeaky and it really annoys me. And also a lot of the stuff that she says and does, I don't think makes any freaking sense. Um I mean so, she's, a, she's a little cloud cuckoo lander. Um, yeah. She's, she's, <laughs> for she, sure. 
I will admit, I do the like the high five bit that they do with each other, where she yeah, the tries to get was, to do the high fives. Yeah, yeah high five bit was the only redeeming part of that entire freaking section. True. Yeah. Um, and life. if Emperor Dread is asking what I really think he's asking, which is which one's hotter, I think that's what his real question is. I would also go with Tifa on that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's. I would like to really pose the third option of Jesse, and I would select that option. Somebody's but, really into Jesse here, huh? I really liked Jesse. I was like, but apparently, she leave. <laughs> All right, our last question. Mitch wanted his damn pizza. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's our last question, and it's coming from Johnny Hurricane, one of our greatest patrons. Uh, I missed the first half of the the Last of Us topic, but do you really think that the leak prompted them to get the game out quicker? You guys mentioned things like this take time to get moving, manufacturing wise and marketing wise. So a weekend seems like a stretch. I feel like maybe the leaker knew the date was coming and just wanted to cause the the uh, fire beforehand. Good show today as usual. Good to see you, Johnny. Hope you're doing well, man. Through this insanity. Thank God we're all gamers, right? Um, <laughs> uh, so you got to answer, Matt? You gotta- I mean, I, I see that, but at the same time, like, why the why go through all that of pulling the pre-orders and pulling the pre-orders for the collector's edition and pulling it off PSN if you're just going to delay it three weeks? Yeah, they wouldn't have done that. There's no way they would have refunded everyone's pre-orders. Now they have to convince people to pre-order it again. again. They never would have done that. That's the tell right yeah, there. Yeah, I agree yeah. 100%. I, they would never have done such a thing. Like It wasn't delayed Unless indefinitely. Unless they felt they had to. Yeah, but I, the and only way you have to now is when your spoilers are out there, and the only way to minimize that is to try to get this thing out as soon as possible, mm-hmm. but within a reasonable time that Sony can make some money. Oh, an emperor is uh, clarifying. It's not. It's all about personality. So it's mm-hmm. not about how they look. So there you go. Well, I like Aerith better personality-wise. Okay. I like Tifa better in both ways. <laughs> so you got one Tifa, one Aerith, and one Jesse. So there's like, no... I'm actually, I mean, even though I know what's coming in Final Fantasy VII later, like, I'm actually sitting here thinking, you know what? I'm actually going to care this time when uh, that happens. Now, she's better. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. She's way better than she was in the original. All the characters are. Uh, what you said is absolutely true. All the characters are better, more relatable. I care about all of them already more than I did yeah. after playing Honestly, all the way most through the improved first. Has got to be Barrett. Oh yeah. Like He's the fact a, that I actually oh, give yeah. a shit about Barrett is like I like him. Greatest achievements in gaming of the year. I like him. Yeah. He's great. He's really funny. Yep. All right, that's it for Game Face 209. Thanks to everybody on the stream. Sorry to get to everyone's questions. Thanks to everybody who subscribed via Twitch Prime. I know there was a ton of you guys that did it at the beginning of the show. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks to anyone who gave us bits, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, If you're consuming the show on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, hey, YouTube folks, by the way, if you don't want to wait a whole week to watch Game Face, you can subscribe to the podcast on either one of those services and it goes up on those services four days after it does for our patrons. So you get a little earlier, uh, the audio version of the show. Anyone watching there, please hook it, help us out over at patreon.com slash sifted. Um, everybody is going through a tough time right now. We are no different. Um, and because we rely basically on donations and disposable income to stay afloat, as you would guess, things are not going great for us right now. So any help would be greatly appreciated. Um, you're getting a couple hours, three hours a week of entertainment out of it. Hopefully you feel like that's worth something in these crazy times we're going through right now. Um, so on behalf of Matt, who you can find at M Kyle on Twitter and be on behalf of Mitch, you can find at Mitch Sikor, S-I-K-O-R and myself, Shane Satterfield, who you can find at Dinfire. Hope you guys have a safe and great week. We'll see you next Tuesday. Game face is up and out. (laughs) 